we're doing villains now. I'm Dracula. Villains. where we look at the various films nominated for MTV Movie Awards in their various categories and try and figure out who really should have won. I'm Kenny Sage, a foremost movie expert. And I'm Ben Gregg, a foremost villainy expert. And joining us today, uh, one of the hosts of the Can I Kick It podcast and an expert in nice, not good, not bad, just nice, uh, Andy Jermuga is with us. Sorry, Andy, I know how to say your name. That's okay. It's a hard G. Uh, <laughs> sort of rhymes with Bermuda is what I tell folks. Uh, Germuga. But thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for coming on. Now, Andy, with every guest on the show, show, I always like to ask a question that catches them off guard at first. So, Okay. Uh, we're talking best villain 2015 this week, so I want to know, what sure. is your history with villainy in film or otherwise? Uh, well, I suppose, like, you know, villains are a, a fairly formative part of film-going experience. You know, my first, my earliest movie memory, uh, seeing a movie in a theater, which is probably, like, not a real memory, it's probably just, like, one that's been implanted in my brain over time, uh, is seeing uh, Aladdin uh, with my dad, for some reason. I remember my dad being there, but not my mom. Uh, although possibly... I, who know, even knows if it happened, but in 1992, I would have been like two, three, three years old, maybe, um, when we saw Aladdin. And of course, there's a big villain in that one, Jafar, uh, who has made quite an impression. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess it's always sort of felt like a fundamental part of like storytelling structure. And, you know, I, I was a big reader as a kid and um, especially like I loved Roald Dahl in particular. And he always had like extremely memorable and well-drawn and uh huge villains in his in his books uh thinking of, of, of like the trunchbull or or even like focused on the like fo like you think you think about the twits right and that's just like two people who are villainous in their everyday life and who are just gonna focus on so i guess it's always yeah it's always sort of been like a big part of of, of storytelling that i consume yeah wow you were prepared for this <laughs> Was I? I mean, I'm just speaking contemporaneously. I don't know. You know. Well, at least one person has been like, huh? When I asked, but... Sure. Yeah. But, <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. So when you mentioned Doll, because I know you're a big fan of Matilda. Like, uh, that's true. Catch it on Netflix. Roll Dolls, Matilda the Musical. Yeah. And did you get to that one? A couple episodes ago, you had said you had heard two of the soundtrack songs, but... Yeah, I have not gotten to it yet, unfortunately. I have... Okay. I'm I am barely getting these movies done as of late. Um, yeah, you have a, you're, 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 you're assigning yourselves a slate of movies to watch every week. As someone who very occasionally has an assigned slate of movies to watch, that's quite an endeavor. The the, the amount yeah. of you're giving yourself. I, I, he watches I, them on two times speed. I, this week I barely did that. I think I only did that with two of the movies. Um, okay, so or even that. Which ones? 
Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to see if I even remember because I've. I feel like I've gotten good at it. I've developed that skill to be able to watch a movie at two times speed. Uh-huh. Um, Actually, two times speed think... on Into the Wood might help one of the songs, which is slow down significantly. Just... <laughs> I think. I think Into the Woods. I was watching at like one point two five, but that's because I didn't notice. And that's like a, that's like a pretty hard to notice one. I think Gone Girl was the only one I watched at two times speed. Um, cause I feel like you can't, you can't watch, you can't wa- watch Whiplash at two times speed. That's just, that'd be insane. Sure. <laughs> that'd right. be so intense. Spe- speed, speed is very important to that movie. Yeah. I, I, this guy's um, the greatest drummer in the world. He's going so fast. Right. Yeah. I, he wants I mean, him to go yeah. faster. Right. Uh, yeah. There's a, uh, probably yeah. one of these I've, I've, you know, could have used some, some extra speed for me. Yeah. Listen, whenever I play a movie at normal speed, I go, hmm, not my tempo. Absolutely. Um. <laughs> cool. So the 2015 MTV Movie Awards were yeah. held on April 12th, um, 2015. It's another April one, and apparently, I've been wondering, like, his MTV sometimes has pretty short nomination windows, so I was wondering how these April shows worked. And it seems like in this case, people were still voting for movie of the year as the ceremony was in progress. They had Bella Thorne reminding people to vote for movie of the year pretty early on into the show. Uh-huh. That's, I mean, what is their, is it just like go to their website and that's their voting mechanism? Yes. I, yeah. I guess to give a little background of myself on MTV Movie Awards, do you want that? Or is that a specific part we're going to do later? Or do you, do you want to hear that from me or no? <laughs> I mean, we don't always talk about it, but yeah. Get, okay. Go ahead. I mean, yeah. So it's one of the award shows with which I'm the least familiar. Mostly because I didn't have cable growing up. So I just never had MTV to be able to, like, watch them. So I was much more familiar with, like, the Teen Choice Awards, which were always on Fox and I guess have a little bit of the same flavor as the MTV Movie Awards. Um, uh, and have much cooler trophies. The surfboards are way better than them, I think. Um... But, and, like, you know, I, I remember wanting to vote for the Kids' Choice Awards, and, like, that's one of those ones where you can just go online and vote. And I think I voted for the Teen Choice Awards a few times, too. But I never was super aware of, like, yeah, the, the voting process for the MTV Movie Awards. And, like, it's one of the ones where, like, it is, like, how much do the actual votes matter, and how much is it producers seeing, like, who they can get to actually show up or whatever? Uh, that's always been, it's always been high on my suspicion list on, on that front. Yeah, I mean, sometimes when you look at the nom- nominees, yeah, or and so, sometimes the nominees you're like, okay, it's like Viacom kind of getting stuff through in that process. Sure. But then sometimes mm-hmm. there is stuff that like surprises you, where they're like, this one, like how how did this go through? Sure. Which it, it's an exciting one. Also, I'll say the Moon Men are the VMAs. Uh, MTV oh, of course. Movie Awards are the Golden Popcorn. Right, this is the golden, which, of course, the name of the podcast. I'm sorry. Yeah. That was very dumb of me to say. To be fair, we um, rarely mention Golden Popcorn on the show besides sure. like just in the title. <laughs> we don't even say, and the Golden Popcorn goes to. We just go, and the winner. Sure. Like, right. <laughs> golden Popcorn, I guess, marginally better than the Moon Man, in my opinion. But still not quite up to the surfboard. Just because it's, mm. like, very funny to think of a celebrity, like, being like, I have to, like, put a surfboard somewhere now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to make yeah. the shelf space. Right. So it's, like, asking a lot of someone to, like, ask them to take a trophy surfboard into their home that, like, I don't, I'm pretty sure it's not functional. I'm pretty sure you can't use it. Uh, although maybe you can. 
but like yeah like it's gonna be the most prominent award in your collection even if you have won much more prestigious awards just because of the amount of space it took mm-hmm. so. oh yeah yeah so so these awards uh the host this year was amy schumer uh, i believe this is the summer that train wreck was coming out and then then i think uh you you're a big like inside Amy Schumer person, right? Like I quite like the inside Amy Schumer. I've seen every episode. I watched even the most recent season on Paramount Plus, which is underrated and worth checking out. If folks, are, there's only like five episodes, I think. Um, but there's some really good sketches in it, I think. Uh, and of course, I'm you know the big fan of Amy's uh, step up to to co-host the Oscars. I think she, you know, that night was Amy's night, and I think no one can argue otherwise. Ah <laughs> uh, yes. Somehow I forgot that was your biggest opinion of that particular Oscar year. Just... It's Amy's night. I don't know what to tell you. That's the narrative of the night of that Oscar. Yeah, that's what everyone remembers from. The that's year all Amy anyone Schumer. was talking about the next day was how much yeah. Amy Schumer killed it hosting the Oscars. Yeah, she could. Oscars. She could have killed them. They said just absolutely. That's what. That's what that was said about. I hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Best kiss this year went to, I believe, Ben's choice for the best kiss we've yeah, covered yeah. on the podcast, The Fault in Our Stars. Yeah, okay. is it, it had a lot of things going for it. Sure. Being it at had, the Anne Frank house. Yeah, oh, yeah. Things, wow. yeah it, it had, it's, you know. Right. Certainly <laughs> an interesting kiss. Um, uh, surprised uh, Cancer didn't make it onto the list we're considering here. Yeah. Well, that would yeah. be... Maybe best fight, yeah. Sure, right. <laughs> I know a lot of people get touchy when you say like fighting cancer. Like that's like a lot of th- a thing oh, that people yeah. can be like. Well, it's not really that um, about, but I think that would be funny if, the, especially because then they like have to do it every yeah. year. Like they would have well, to like consider like <laughs> theoretical concepts as villains and, and fight participants. Well, I know. I remember I got confused when we when we started this one because I thought in my head I thought we were doing best fight. Because I know later down in Best Fight, I right. think around 2017, there's like, I think one of them is like inequality. Sure. Um, uh, famously, yeah. right, Ruth Bader Ginsburg versus the patriarchy, right, is one of them famously. Uh, yeah, something versus like Versus inequality, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Which I think is a different year because there is a year, and I feel it was around the time that like Oscar so White happened, or maybe a few years after that, where suddenly it was Best Fight Against the Power. Like, sure. Right, they went woke. Yeah. Um, but, so, no, Best Fight was, like, a category where I think at one point I'm like, yeah, we'll do that, like, second, and then I just keep pushing it because there's other stuff that, like, catch my eye. But we'll, yeah. we'll talk about Ruth Bader Ginsburg versus, like, inequality. But, yeah, eventually. I feel like, yeah, right after Best yeah. Villain, you feel like there's going to be a lot of double, double up with that, but... Yeah, yeah. it's... But, Oh, yeah, and then looking at this ca- category, it's like, well, our stars beat beat out multiple like actual best picture like nominees this year: Boyhood, American Sniper, Selma, Whiplash, for Kiss, uh, for Movie of the Year. Oh, for Movie of the Year. Okay, good. No, ki- yeah, ki- a kiss in any of those movies. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the Whiplash kiss. Yeah, no. <laughs> Melissa Benoist getting hers. <laughs> no, Kiss was a weirder category. We had Ethan on for that one. It was like 
sure. n- neighbors the interview for a kiss that literally I had to watch the movie twice to like track it down because it's like a split second. Uh-huh. Like Amazing Spider-Man two, and then sure. yeah, the the Winter Soldier. Wait, why did even keep talking about the perks of being a wallflower in that episode? Um, I think probably because of the fault in our stars. I think I kept on confusing the names. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it was like, you were Ethan who kept just mixing up the names, because, like, that episode's definitely called The Perks of Being a Starflower. Like, <laughs> the Perks of Our Fault. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Shailene Woodley won the MTV Trailblazer Award. Kevin Hart won the Comedic Genius Award. Robert Downey Jr. Oh, won the MTV <laughs> Generation Award. That one ages well. The other two, maybe not so much, I feel. What? You, you don't think people are going Woodley mode these days? You know, she kind of has had a rough <laughs> go of it. Her, her show got, like, canceled before it aired on Showtime. Uh, and then, I guess, Stars just picked it up. She's, like, in a new, another miniseries. But she's almost exclusively doing prestige miniseries these days. I feel like she's not doing movies anymore, really. Uh, oh, yeah. She's getting big little lies. Yeah, but she's like uh, not the most exciting part of big little lies. Certainly, she's good on it, but like, you know, well, the the most exciting part is when a, a future only murders in the building guest star showed up, who we'll be talking about shortly. I'm just absolutely. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So if we want to get in into it, then so. For Best Villain 2015, the nominees are Jillian Bell, 22 Jump Street, Peter Dinklage, X-Men, Days of Future Past, Rosamund Pike, Gone Girl, J.K. Simmons, Whiplash, and the winner, Meryl Streep, Into the Woods. That's right. That's the witch. Yeah. Yeah. She's the witch. You're the one. Sorry, I'm gonna be singing a lot. Yeah. No, it's all good. Uh, it's yeah. It calls for this is our uh, you know the the uh, the end of our illustrious uh, witch winning streak. Um, Oh sure. Yeah. After Oz the Great and Powerful won last year, of (laughs) course, Mm -hmm. over Captain Phillips. (laughs) Very understandable. Sure. Yeah. Uh huh. Those two movies, I definitely think of as. Uh, equal on many many levels <laughs> on many fronts like they're really they're quite they're like sister projects really yes they rhyme like poetry absolutely um well looking ahead to next week uh you could you know sith or space wizards you could you could yeah you could bend it are you gonna yeah, say like, Adam is... driver's a witch <laughs> a little bit i mean if you push it back a little bit too like Loki has is very has very witch like qualities. Absolutely. I would say, you know, maybe it was witches all the way down. People who are into witchcraft <laughs> love Loki. That is just like a a, a true, yeah. true fact. I think yes, exactly. Yeah, obviously there's the two Tom Felton years for Half the Prince <laughs> and Deathly Hollows Part One. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Aniston, horrible bosses, eh, not really. But... That's <laughs> no, that's right. the biggest stretch for sure in this run. Yeah, looking at yeah for sure. God, that's a terrible movie. I hate that movie. Yeah. Oh. oh man, but yeah, no. Um, Into, yeah, the, Into woods. the Woods was a yeah. What a what a charming 
fun movie that has so much stuff going on and just keeps on going. I was so confused because I was not paying attention. Sure. Uh huh. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh, it's ending. This is so what a what a nice what a nice little movie. And then wow. it just goes on for yeah. like forty more minutes, and the I'm like, ch- oh my god. That is the conceit of Into the Woods. You you found the crux of it, where it's what if happily ever after wasn't happily ever after. <laughs> yeah. 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 I definitely I knew nothing going into it. Sure. And. uh I definitely, I was like, I'm probably not going to super enjoy this because, like, I was uh-huh. like, oh, okay, like, this is probably going to be the dark, gritty reboot of some fairy tale. Uh, it turns <laughs> sure. out it's like the dark, gritty reboot of every, of all of the that's famous right. little ones. It's and the, that's, yeah. that was super interesting. I loved that a lot. And it's also just like a charming little musical, too. Yeah. Um, very, very good songs. Um, yeah. The agony one is probably my favorite. That's a, certainly a comedic highlight. And you yeah. know, they cut. There's an even better reprise in the stage version that they cut from the movie <laughs> that I would encourage you to seek out. Uh, oh. the, the immortal line uh, "Dwarfs are very upsetting" uh, in that in that song uh, is great. Um, I'm so glad you liked it. I I I am a huge into the woods uh, person. It was I'm very into musical theater and Stephen Sondheim in particular into the woods was my first exposure to him my middle school production of into the woods junior uh i played uh the mysterious man who is mostly cut from the movie uh who spoiler alert ends up beca- being revealed as the baker's father um so uh that the movie was the realized they couldn't did. top your performance in that high yeah. production it's like why, why bother, bother? <laughs> well i mean what yeah they get Simon Russell Beale for like a new scene that replaces a song, and that that scene, the acting in that scene is pretty dialed in. They're pretty locked in with each other during that scene, I think. Um, even though uh, I am sad that they cut that number, which uh, is very meaningful. Um, but yeah, I I'm a huge Into the Woods person. I was so excited about the movie. Uh, Rob Marshall, of course, being the director. Uh, Rob Marshall, one of my very earliest like favorite filmmakers uh as uh chicago was a huge like movie for me growing up one of the first adult movies that i was like cognizant of and interested in and and obsessed with um and so him doing a a sondheim musical was like so enormous for me um and you know it's got an interesting reputation now where like everyone's always like marshall really fucked that one up because people it's very unfashionable to like rob marshall Almost everyone is like, oh, the guy doesn't know how to film musical numbers. He cuts too much or whatever. Um, And I think there's certain things that the adaptation does mess up for me. But it still does have, like, a lot of really excellent performances of really good songs. The orchestrations are, like, incredible in this. And, like, they really uh, beef up the original orchestrations from the stage version, which is obviously, you you can't pay that many musicians to play a Broadway show every, every night. So they, they're able to bump it up for this. Uh, so there's a lot that I really love in this film adaptation, even if it's not the perfect version of it. And there is like a film version of the live stage show that I would recommend people check out first before they check out the movie, probably. Yeah, this is a movie. I remember it's one of the films that's part of my birthday canon of movies I saw like on mm-hmm. or like for my for my birthday. It, Very much the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's one that uh, I'm not like that familiar with the sta- stage show of like mm-hmm. the Sondheims. I know, uh, yeah, 
Sweeney Todd, which was the other Sondheim we've covered on the podcast, is one I have more familiarity with. But even then, it's I watched the movie first and then discovered Kiss Me exists. So, sure. it's, yeah, it's good to know. Like the main Into the Wood thing I know has changed is that Your Fault is a lot slower in the movie. Um, so it's good to know there's like some great songs to discover at some. Yeah, point. well, yeah, Your Fault. They sort of like start it slow and ramp it up. Like, it's, like, in the stages, so it starts out pretty speedy, but this one, it just sort of, like, it, it's, like, a slow ramp up of, 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 uh, of tension uh, as they, um, they they sort of build up to that, and which I think does lead to, like, Last Midnight, which is, like, the showcase scene for Meryl Streep as the witch. Um, you know, she has a lot of good stuff in this, but that's, like, the number that, like, you're like, oh, boy, how's Meryl Streep going to do this one? Uh, and I think it really delivers. I mean, I know a lot of people, like, don't like Meryl in this movie. And, like, she got an Oscar nomination for it. It was the only Oscar nomination I believe the movie got. Um, uh, and people are like, that's one of Meryl's bad Oscar nominations. But I think she's really terrific in it. And I think the, yeah, Last Midnight really, really delivers. Oh, yeah. No, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of, like, Last Midnight. And I think Meryl's, like, do doing good stuff here. Um. This is a movie, one of the things I forgot until I was watching it there, and something that I think is really good, good about about it from its, like, stage roots, roots is it is a musical where a lot of the scenes are characters coming in and explaining where they were, like, in between yeah. other scenes, and the right. songs are about stuff that happened, like, off-camera, and, mm -hmm. like, that, that works for me. It's like, I don't need to see, like, all of the wolf stuff. I know that stuff. I don't need to see the clouds. Like, it's... Right. Yeah. It's fun to just hear them, like, sing, sing about it, or, like, all the stuff that's happening at the parties each Cinderella time there's there, and... Yeah, well, that's, yeah, the, the, one of the, yeah, one of the big structural conceits with the show is, like, because it's fairy tales, like, it's very comfortable with, like, having the characters come out and, like, tell you the moral they have learned, right? Tell you, like... Now I know, don't be scared. Like, uh, isn't it nice to know a lot and a little bit not? Like, all these, like, it it leads to these opportunities where they are, in the mu stage musicals, very often they are, like, direct addressed to the audience of, like, you know, uh, On the Steps of the Palace is one, uh, Moments in the Woods uh, is one, where, yeah, the characters, like, turn to the audience and are like, let me process what has happened to me. Let me sort of explain to you what's going on in my head and, and figure out, like, what my journey has taught me thus far. Um, and I think, yeah, they do a pretty good job, I think, of, of, of putting those in, in the place. I do think Moments in the Woods is probably my favorite song in the show. The Baker's Wife sings it. I think it really kills in the stage production. I do think in the movie, it's a little bit of a missed opportunity, if only because, like, she's, like, pacing around the whole time. And I, so often the camera is, like, on her back as she's singing. And I'm like, I want to see Emily Blunt's, like, face process the emotions here. Like, I understand how you're visualizing that, like, how she's working through this by having her walk around and, and all that. But, like, get the camera in front of her face, please, while she is, like, singing these, like, perfect lines about, like, remembering an and when you've had an or and how that makes the or mean more than it did before. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I can see that as, like, a yeah, missed opportunity there because I think, like, Emily Blunt's like she's really good in this and really yeah. expressive. And, mm -hmm. yeah. I agree. I think the cast across this also the board I think was my first exposure to James Corden. Sure, controversial figure. Yeah, 
Yeah, Lisa's. Yeah. Before yeah. he was like yelling at waiters, he was just yelling at like boys wanting bread. Just <laughs> sure, right? He's like, "Why is this little girl stealing all my sweets?" Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I think he's very good in the movie. Um, as like I said, I mentioned the scene with him and his father, which ha- is replacing the song "No More." I think is like very well acted. I think he sings it pretty well. Uh, he is a, like a good sort of like everyman character for these like these characters who are like the new characters right like Baker and his wife is not a fairy tale it is the original story that's in this mashup of well known fairy tales uh, and I think he does sort of yeah he he does that well uh, in my opinion yeah I mean yeah. it's tangentially related to like Rapunzel a bit but sure um, but I guess even then that's more yeah. like his dad but right that is a thing about the show is like oh he finds out he had a sister and then nothing really comes of that like they don't ever like connect or like oh we're long lost siblings or whatever it's just like a cute tie-in that's introduced at the beginning of the show that doesn't really have like a huge payoff at any points (laughs) (laughs) yeah i wait so Oh, is Rapunzel like his sister? Yeah, in the witches, oh, okay. the witches rap at the beginning, of course. Uh, uh, <laughs> 19, that's literally what it's called. Nineteen eighty-seven. The witches rap. The witches rap. She said, "You know, uh, you can call. Uh, you can let me have the baby that your wife will bear. Bump, bump, and we'll call it square." And he's like, "I had a brother," <laughs> and then she goes, "No, but you had a sister." And then the narrator's like, "And then she didn't tell him anything about it. Not even that her name was Rapunzel." And the audience goes, "Oh." But then nothing, nothing happened. That really. <laughs> yeah, but I genuinely like I I glazed over that entirely. I like I knew I knew about the the individual facts. I was like I knew they took somebody, and I was like I probably if I was paying more attention, I probably could have parsed that it was that. Yeah, to be fair, did, that opening is throwing a lot at you. Like, it is certainly <laughs> exposition central. There is a lot of setup, and like obviously many of them are very familiar. Like you know, we all know like what the deal with Jack and the Beanstalk is, and, like, we all know what the deal with uh, Little Red Riding Hood and Cinderella are. But uh, it is, they have to fit in the whole exposition for the Baker and his wife, who are the new characters. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of ground to cover. Yeah. So, yeah. Andy, yeah. so Andy, you mentioned the performances are strong across the board, but... Um, yes. One, one notable thing about you is... Yeah, you were an avid Facebook user back in the day, and occasionally you will just look into your memories, and you'll find stuff yes. like your power rankings of everyone in Into the Woods. That's right. From the, from the time. So 2014, I saw it. I imagine I saw it on my birthday. I think it opened on Christmas. And then this is from December 30th, 2014. I think I was back. So in 2014, 2015, I was working as an apprentice at the Olney Theater Center in Olney, Maryland. So I was living there um, uh, and working as an education apprentice for them. Uh, and so that, um, that you know, I, I went home for Christmas, but I think I came back and I probably even saw it a second time before I did this list that was my, like, this is who, who, how the performances rank in this, in this movie for me. Um, and I don't quite stand by all of them, but I probably have like the general list probably most who's it who is at the top it is of course meryl streep at the top she's my number one uh i think mostly just based on last midnight alone i think like i was just like very loud oh it's like 
the thing that gave me the biggest chills at the time. So when like, okay, when <laughs> when Kenny said this, I thought you meant like like who's the most powerful. Oh no, like like a Dragon Ball Z esque, like no, who has the not most. Like, who would win a fight? No, <laughs> yeah, it is just like who's giving the best performance. I, power oh, okay. rankings is like that's like was a, like a popular online like term. I feel like like. Like, I feel like Vulture maybe had, like, a power... Mad Men power rankings or something every week. Uh, uh, and I'm maybe not using power rankings accurately because I think it is supposed to sort of reflect, like, who has yeah. the most power in the world of the thing. But I'm just using it to, like, rank the performances. Oh, <laughs> it is yeah. a word Which, term like, that's come to mean a lot of things. Like, I think yeah. my main introduction to it was Xfinity Survivor recaps. You would have power rankings where they would see who was left based on who they thought had the best chance of winning the game. Mm-hmm. And then they'd get point, like, it was, like, the guy who do the recaps yes. going in yeah. homes, and then a past survivor member, and they get points based on, like, how close they were, and right. it's always fun when someone they had at the top would suddenly just voted off in a shocking blindside. Right. Like, that, is the, that is the context in which the term makes the most sense, I believe, is in, in like, a reality competition show. Like, that, like, I think it was that, that's prop. if I had to guess, that would be where the origins were, and then, like, they were, like, let's use this for fiction shows and like it doesn't quite fit in the same way um but it's a fun way to think about things yeah uh so yeah my number one was meryl streep uh my number two was anna kendrick and my number three was james corden so that's like my my top trio there i do really stand by the anna kendrick thing a lot i think she's really excellent i think on the steps of the palace is really really good uh she like really belts it out at the end uh, the oh yeah flourish of that i think is really good um, yeah I also, that, I don't know if this is... Oh, sorry, go on. No, go, you go ahead. I, uh, I don't... I'm not too familiar with the original Cinderella story. But yes. I do, like, I do, like, for the purposes of this movie... Yeah. She's, like, run away for, like, three consecutive nights. Right. Yes. <laughs> I, it is, yeah. It's it, just very funny. Yeah. It's not the Disney version, for sure, where it's, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's, like, you know... <laughs> it's go like, to the ball yeah yeah i like the idea that she shows up they have a wonderful night and then she's just run away for right. like the third time yeah and you know and it's called the festival it's not the ball it's like yeah um yeah also a fun fun fact for the sondheim nerds the first time you see the the festival from the outside the establishing shot you hear like a waltz music and that is music from a little night music a different sondheim uh, show oh wow. Oscar score. yeah how neat though yeah yeah. Um, shall I continue on with this list? Do we have anything to say? About oh, or of or course, yeah. yeah. Uh, my number four was uh, Christine Baranski, uh, who is a small part as the uh, stepmother, but I really do think she gives a lot of mustard to like every possible line that she has. Uh, I forgot she was in this, and when she showed up, yeah. I'm like, Diane. Just yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I am also yeah. I'm Kenny and I are both big good 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 universe fans. Uh, and I believe we're, you gotta be excited for the Elspeth spinoff, right, Kenny? <laughs> yeah, the, oh yeah, the potential one where, like, Elspeth is helping, like, the police in New York, where I'm like, if this was from anyone but the Kings, I'd be right. immediately suspicious of this premise. So. Yeah, but she's gonna, they're gonna, she's gonna really baffle them, I feel like. Um, but yeah, she really, like, she makes a little, a lot out of a little, I think, in this movie. Um, five, I had Tracy Ullman which is maybe my first, like, that maybe is a little too high on reflection. Yeah. Um, That's Jack's mom. Then. Jack's mom, yeah. Uh, she has uh, a fun okay. bit where she keeps hitting him. That's, like, the fun bit she has. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, uh, Tracy six Ullman, was... kind of responsible for the, 
for most of like pop culture in like the late 20th sure. century. Even... Yeah. Absolutely, the Simpsons uh, shorts on, on her show. Um, I think she's still slightly bitter about that, that she like doesn't make lots of money off the Simpsons. Yeah. Um, uh, six was Chris Pine. Should be higher, I think, at this point. Uh, he's really terrific. Uh, he does sing Agony, of course, uh, as the previous aforementioned. Uh, I was raised to be charming, not sincere. All timer of a line. He delivers very well. Mm-hmm. I um, hope they let him sing in Dungeons and Dragons. It, he's it, supposed to be playing it seems a bard. Like, it seems like he will, right? Because he's like a lute player in the in the first trailer. That's like the big end gag, right? Is that he like has a lute. Um, remember him in Wet Hot American Summer, the first day of camp? Uh, yes. <laughs> great, great stuff. He's so great in that. Um, yeah, he... Very great addition to that universe. And then you had Daniel Huddlestone, who he's the ever... Like, who's Daniel yeah. Huddlestone again? This, he oh, wait, is, no, he's just like the dad, right? Like, no, he's Jack. Oh, That's Jack. Sure. He is, of course, uh, also from Les Miserables, where he played Gavroche. So he was just oh, like... Oh, that's the, where I know him. He just was like the kid who was played kids in musicals. Yeah, um, if he needs someone who's like British... Yeah. Or... Uh, J- Jack, an interesting point in this movie, because like... Obviously, like on stage, usually it is not cast as like an actual like child, right? Usually it's like you know your classic like early twenties person playing like mid to late teens, right? Uh, yeah. Just because of like the work week on Broadway, like does not necessarily facilitate having a children a child in uh, in the show if you can avoid it. Um, he's okay. I mean, Giants in the Sky is like one of my favorite songs, uh, and I think it's good. But maybe not like quite where I want it to be. I'd maybe have him a little lower. Apologies to the child uh, that he is. Um, uh, eight, I have Emily Blunt. Um, maybe a little rude, maybe a little low. I do think she's done a little dirty, as I said, in um, Moments in the Woods, where it doesn't show her face all the time. Uh, nine, I have Lucy Punch, who is one of the stepsisters. Uh, she's the the heel, the one who loses the heel, I believe. Yeah. Um. 10 Billy Magnuson, far too low. Billy Magnuson really needs to be up higher. I don't know what I was thinking there. Uh, who is, of course, the Rapunzel's prince. Um, 11 Tammy Blanchard, who is the other stepsister who loses her toe. Uh, 12 Lilla Crawford, who uh, plays uh, Red Riding Hood. Uh, who's. She's, uh, she's like okay. She was uh, Broadway's Annie, famously. Uh, most recent Annie. Um, and she's like got a nice voice, but. Uh, that part also, like, obviously you usually have it played by an older person, and I think she doesn't quite get the comedy in the way that, like, uh, when it's played by someone a little older, that you'll usually have her be a little bodier in a way that you yeah. can't when it's a child. Um, uh, and then just to wrap it up, 13, Mackenzie Mozzie, who plays uh, Rapunzel. That part's probably the most boring part in the show for an actor to play. Like, she has, she sings very prettily, but, like, there's not a ton to that character. Uh, unfortunately. And then 14, of course, Johnny Depp as the wolf. Uh, because uh, who wants to put Johnny Depp on the top of a list uh, of anything? Maybe. Uh, I mean, in 2014, but... It was, like, a little bold to be like, Johnny Depp sucks in 2014, but, like, not, like, that bold. Especially, like, for theater nerds, like, he, like, ruined Sweeney Todd or whatever. Like, he, like, you know, I think he's pretty good in Sweeney Todd, but, like, yeah, he certainly doesn't sing it in the way that theater nerds would like that role to be sung. Yeah, I'll, I'll say it wasn't where I'm like, oh right, he has like two scenes and then he dies. 
Simpsons, which is... <laughs> it is true. For the purpose of our podcast, which often has to talk about Johnny Depp, it's... Been... Mm-hmm. And we're fair. Like, when he sure. does good performances, that's like, we're... And it's like, that's an interesting character, because, like, the cow is just a cow. Like, normally, like, you know, it's like a real cow. Like, and he's playing a wolf. And they have him in, like, a Tex Avery sort of, like, coat. Like, he's, like, got a coat, and, like, he's got, like, a mustache, and he just is a wolf, but he's, like, the only animal that is a personified person playing an, an animal. So it's, like, it's the most heightened the movie gets. Because the movie does, I think, t- try to, like round stuff and make it more real in the way that you do when you make a movie out of something that was originally a stage thing but like there's no way like they're not just gonna have like a cgi wolf with johnny depp's voice and then not be able to show johnny depp in any advertising in 2014 right he was like a huge part of the ads like that johnny depp was in this movie um so yeah they had to have johnny depp be a person who is a wolf (laughs) yeah (laughs) which i think works for the purposes of like you know he's in he's out and since the wolf is supposed to like be able to like pass as human at points anyways you're like yeah okay sure but yeah um i have two other brief things i want to talk about into the woods before if you have and if you have anything else to say that's totally fine we can continue to talk about it but i have two other things one is they originally tried to make it in the 90s um and they were going to um uh like jim henson was involved uh, and there were a couple of readings. There were two readings. Uh, one, and the casts on them were nuts. So the first one had Martin Short as the baker and Julia Louis-Dreyfus Dreyfus as the baker's wife. Neil Patrick Harris as Jack. Mary Steenburgen as Jack's mother. Kathleen and Jimmy and Janine Garofalo as the stepsisters. Uh, Cynthia Gibb as Cinderella. Rob Lowe as Cinderella's prince. Christine Lottie as the witch. Daryl Hannah as Rapunzel. And Michael Jeter as the giant. And then at the second one, Robin Williams was the baker. Goldie Hawn was the wife. Cher played the witch. Steve Martin was the wolf. Carrie Fisher and B.B. Newworth were the stepsisters. Moira Kelly played Cinderella and Kyle McLaughlin was the prince. And then Brendan Fraser was Rapunzel's prince. And Elijah Wood was Jack and Roseanne Barr was the mother. Uh, and Danny DeVito played the giant. Um, so either of those versions I think would have been crazy. Would have been cool to see this done with like big sets and big puppets and stuff. Uh, always, oh, yeah. We'll always be a little sad we didn't get that version. But I'm not unhappy with the version that we have. Um, well, those Prince castings just really speak to the time because, like, Rob yeah. Lowe, it's like, okay, you're kind of going to, like, his sort of bad boy reputation at the time. Mm-hmm. Kyle McLaughlin, you're just going for something insane. Like, just that something. is, he would bring a very weird energy to that role, I think. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I want to talk about briefly is this controversy that uh, is, like, a very classic um, BroadwayWorld.com message board, like, rumor that I believe has been, like, completely shot down, at least by one person who's who's instigated. But essentially, so Meryl Streep likes to sing. She sings in a lot of projects, right? She, like, has sung from pretty early on, but, like, you know, she did Mamma Mia, she did Florence Foster. She's, like, a lady who likes to sing, even though a lot of people will be like, she's not that great a singer or whatever. Um, In this movie, I think she sings quite well. Uh, I think a lot of that is probably, like, the Disney magic post-production that they do. Like, whenever anyone sings in a Disney movie, I think they have, like, a real experts in making sure that the performance is where they want it to be in the actual final product. Uh, which is not to say that Meryl Streep can't sing at all. But, there, uh, but you know, I'll, I'll, I think almost everyone gets a lot of help from the Disney post-production process for, for when they're singing in a Disney movie. Um, 
there is a, a there was a consistent rumor that was like a Broadway World message board sort of debate that uh, Donna Murphy, who had played the witch in at Shakespeare in the Park in New York, uh, in the production that Amy Adams played the baker's wife in, um, among many others, um, had dubbed some of like Merrill's money notes, um, and so that is has been like a constant rumor and a constant thing. Donna Murphy is like definitively tweeted like no she's she, she sang that role in the movie like she's she's fabulous she did it all herself so I don't think it's really true but I do think it's fun that there's like conspiracy theories about Meryl getting dubbed in this movie yeah that's crazy because that's also like I, I mean I guess Mamma Mia yeah people can debate over like what what singing performances are good except for the one that everyone agrees is kind of terrible <laughs> sure just... Pierce Brosnan happy to be there yeah I was gonna be there, but I'm like, she she's Ray Mamma Mia. Well, I guess this is before her one song and here we go again. Right. I yeah, she's good in Mamma Mia. I mean, the whole vibe of that movie is like, let's have it sound a little bit more like it's like extremely famous people karaoke. Like they're not trying to make everyone sound like an incredible singer. Like that's part of the fun of Mamma Mia, I think. Yeah. Uh, whereas in this one, it's like no, the singing has to be good. It's like a Sondheim musical, right? Like, they, like there's that level of pressure on it. But, um, but yeah, it's. I just think it's very interesting that there's like that. There's the 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 theater snob uh, conspiracy theories abound on this one, uh, as there will be with any uh, theater to film adaptation. It's also funny because when you said Donna Murphy, of course, my first thought was. Of course, because she was the witch entangled and not. That's oh, right. she must have done this in a stage production. Just... Mother Girthel. That's right. So she does have the Disney connection. That's true. And I, I, I hadn't put that together totally. Um, but yeah. Wow. Okay, uh, Ben, do you, do you have any more thoughts on Into the Woods? Um. Uh, nothing super huge. It was just like a very, like very good movie. Like this week was honestly full of things i didn't expect to like that i ended up like really loving um i also got a little bit distracted uh because i was looking at the into the woods film wikipedia page and like at the bottom where it has like related stuff it has like obvious stuff like films directed by rob marshall and then it also like has categories for like some of the characters so like Mm. rapunzel and cinderella and they also have one that's just called jack and then there's just a bunch of media about jack and the beanstalk so sure. like films cartoons television video games yeah um like some of the characters um i also fa- i also there's also jack the giant killer which i assume is the same jack yeah and jack it, jack the giant slayer i believe is the uh uh director of another film we're going to talk about brian singer yeah. uh yeah. take that is more so apparently straight up action movie. yeah so there apparently that same year there's jack the giant killer okay which looks like a much worse movie yeah um, is it like a mock buster that's what it's saying that but it also like i don't believe them right yeah. it's like why would you pick jack the giant slayer to make like your mock buster right that movie yeah. was not successful it was a famous uh, famous flop yeah, because like I, I kind of want, I want a citation on that. Right. Um, I guess this is also around <laughs> the time where we were getting like the dark adult takes on fairy yeah. tales, where it's like yeah. Snow White I, and the Huntsman and all these things. Right yeah, now. I do want to. I think it's on YouTube for free. I do want to watch Jack the Giant Killer. Sure. And then maybe Jack the Giant Slayer, but like, 
Yeah, I just like I wonder how related it is. Like you, no, you can't. It couldn't be a mockbuster if it came out in the same year. <laughs> then, I, no, what would they be not, riffing off they of? Some, they sometimes <laughs> do that where they're like, "This is in production and it's gonna come out." Like, let's. Do, we're just like, gonna try and guess. At, right, we're gonna guess at things to parody. And like, yeah. <laughs> well, it's like those asylum movies where they have like Titanic yeah. two out right at the same time as Titanic. Yeah, or whatever, like that sort. Or of Or like thing. the Meet the Spartans type things where they base it all on like trailers. Right, oh that's right. yeah, yeah, you're so right. I remember. Yeah, me and my me and my girlfriend watched because I can't remember where I was, yeah. but I was if I bought a bunch of like bootleg DVDs of like. Mm-hmm beauty and the beast but it's it's not beauty and the beast sure. it is some right. weird european right. bootleg thing um and those have been those have been fun to watch <laughs> uh, yeah. they're just in they're just insane nonsense they're I just I, yeah are they, they're just, are they all like 54 minutes long or something like roughly yeah. yeah and then like the first 20 minutes is always about there's always weirdly a lot of like shipping like boats and oh. stuff like that like okay. the father owns like a boat or something uh-huh. which was not a thing in the original beauty and the beast but there's sure. so much time dedicated to that in this one <laughs> how would you know the also... original your first exposure to beauty and the beast was the 2017 version <laughs> yeah but that one just added stuff i don't think it took anything away <laughs> that is true that is very true, that is very true. Um, yeah yeah and then also um my girlfriend pointed out like i think they did a good job with this one because they act in this in that bootleg version the beast is actually horribly ugly and like sure. not fun to look at <laughs> right it's not secretly hot yeah exactly that's funny. um oh yeah. yeah um jack the giant killer look at look for that next sure. time next host's choice I'll, yeah. I'll throw that on there outside of into the woods i think the most iconic <laughs> version of jack and the beanstalk is the mickey one Right, because that's what. Oh, where, probably. Where they like the thinly sliced bean, right? Is like the very iconic yeah. image from that, where he's like slicing a bean so thin to share among his family that it's see through. That's that's my main Jack and the Beanstalk. Yeah, I'm trying yeah. to think. Mine's probably some like Family Channel or like Disney Channel show original yeah. show like version of Jack and the Beanstalk or something like that. Like, I feel like that's probably. Mm-hmm my first exposure was some sort of parody fairy tale like that yeah mine's probably also the mickey version i can just see that costume very clearly <laughs> yeah in my mind uh yeah but if we're done with into the woods then we can maybe go out of the woods and back to college for that's uh, right 22 jump street us motherfuckers are going to college <laughs> 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 is this a is this a clean podcast? I apologize if you have to bleep. No, no you, you can swear. Okay, great. Yeah, we swear every time. What's what's what is guest appearing on a podcast if you don't ask if you can swear? You have to. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> now I gotta bleep this whole part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can really make oh. it look like I said some offensive stuff. I think. Oh yeah, that's what I. That's what I do with Kenny all the Andy time. Andy saying just, something just... offensive? No one would ever believe that of our uh-huh. friends. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's not go down deep, deep in this path, please. Um, you have things to set oh, up about Twenty Two Jump Street, <laughs> Kenny? Uh, <laughs> oh, that... oh yeah. I just it's just weird. I don't think I've seen Twenty One Jump. I think I saw Twenty One Jump Street mm. once. Yeah. But I think I've seen Twenty Two Jump Street like a handful of times. Wow. That's it has been so yeah. long since yeah. I've seen like the first person, and there are things where I'm 
I don't know if I remember anything from like distinctly from the first one. I thought I did, um, but it turns out it's from this movie. Uh, the <laughs> I'm gonna be your best nightmare. I'm gonna be your worst nightmare, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, which is from this one. Right. Yeah, Twenty Two Jump Street. I feel we watched that at camp once on like a staff night off type thing where it's just playing kind of in the the cabin, which. I've definitely seen 21 more. Uh, 21 Jump Street I saw in theaters, and then the, this one I came out, and I think it was just one of those periods where I just didn't really have the money to go, and the and the reviews for this one at the time were like, yeah, it's really, really funny, you know, it was good as the first one, so I'm like, I'll just catch it later, and you know, I'm at the point where, well, I think the first one's probably stronger in kind of, kind of and it has more to say about high, like, modern high school that I think is still pretty concise and and sharp i'll say this one is definitely i think funnier in terms of just them going like silliness and doing a lot of meta stuff that i think really lands for me like yeah nick offerman who he definitely i think parks and rec had just kind of started when he has his scene in the first one and mm-hmm. so he's so like you can definitely tell oh yeah this guy kind of broke out more where they give him a bit right. more bits but like it, it works like when he's like I'm going through a divorce like it's yeah. really funny. Um, Channing Tatum <laughs> here does uh, among like our Ben uh, among like my Andy's friends like uh, the my name Jeff is like really like kind of famous <laughs> around there and like th- it, was that not, I, I, it had been forever since I saw this movie and I was like oh that's what that's from when I when, when, I, when I came across it once. yeah <laughs> me too because the Shannon moment that's just burned in my mind is when he finds out that like the yeah the, the Schmidt, Schmidt had been like slept with like like Ice Cube's daughter and he's like oh, Schmidt yeah. fuck the captain's daughter and just him running around which it's just that... so funny for me every time like ice cube like realizing that and then just staring at jonah hill the whole time is the funniest thing in this movie it made me laugh so so hard him just like dead staring at jonah hill while they're at parents weekend at this college while jonah hill's actual parents are there and just like and then him going and like going to the brunch line and like throwing all the food everywhere like he's so unbelievably funny in that, in that oh scene. yeah and then it's it plays so, yeah. so good. and then it plays even better on rewatch when you watch the scene again of him like high-fiving schmidt and just making uh-huh. fun of like art majors and all that and sure. just... <laughs> yeah. oh no it's it's so it's so good like yeah oh yeah no this movie's like really it's just incredibly funny i i feel like i had a feeling i had an inkling before i rewatched it is that like I feel like, and I think I do stand by it. I think Jonah Hill might be one of the weaker elements. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what it is. A lot of his stuff just doesn't super land with me. But on this rewatch, I I kept on having that feeling, and then like a scene would happen, and I'd be like, I'd be pulled back. I would be I would be brought back, and I'd be like, okay, you know, he's he's doing a very very funny job. Like he's he's playing this character like very very well. <laughs> um, and just like yeah i feel like anytime he gets to like bounce off of someone else like he's he's he is perfect like he is like that that scene at like the brunch is super funny but it's made even more funny with him saying like like you get him some water he's black he's been through a lot 
like yeah. <laughs> like he is he is doing a, like way more than i feel like i i initially thought he sure. was going to be doing in this one yeah he jamma hill is someone i struggle with uh a lot i he's one of my least favorite uh comedic performers um, yeah and i do I think, think he's solid oh, in this movie yeah wow. i think yeah i think one of the issues is that he's usually like playing someone that's supposed to be insufferable and like not yeah. good and it's like it's working too well mm-hmm. <laughs> that i'm actually not enjoying this yeah I, um like, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I, him in don't look up i find so weird like i i, I re- often like i'm like he is like a real like cilantro tastes like soap sort of actor for me where it's just like i'm always like i don't like what is happening here i'm allergic to this kind of guy i do think it's one of his better for i so i'm trying to remember like i saw 21 jump street i don't think i saw in the theater and like this is a phil lord chris miller project i liked them a lot i like i i remember liking this is still before is 21 before lego movie or after lego movie? yes 21's before lego movie okay so 21's before lego movie so i but they had done cloudy with a chance of meatballs which i love i love that movie i think that movie's so funny um uh 21 jump street like i caught it and was like yeah this is okay and 22 jump street i did see in the theater i remember the the credits gag being hyped up a lot the like everyone like the like being like you won't believe like how many like how this like the the all the sequel jokes that they do like how funny it is and like it's the funniest end credits ever or whatever um and yeah rewatching it like like i did find the ice cube stuff very funny i think there's some funny stuff in it i don't know if it's like a movie that i'm like gonna like return to uh, again anytime soon uh, or the first one. It is sort of uh, not the the flavor of Lord and Miller that I like. I much prefer like I think the Lego Movie is a masterpiece. I you know I love Into the Spider Verse. Like there's I like I like a lot of their stuff and I like them as creators and producers and stuff. It's not this is not like my favorite thing for them. But have you, you ever seen Clone High? I have not. I know I've heard nothing but wonderful things about Clone High for like my for year like decades on the internet, but I have never uh, checked it out. And now it's coming back. I know. Curious how that'll go. Um, I have seen the first episode definitely through like legal means, not someone on Twitter leaking it. it it's fine. It it kind of does a similar thing to Twenty One Jump Street, where mm-hmm. yeah, well, basically Hansi is because Clone High ends with all these characters getting frozen, and now it's like it's twenty years later and they're unfrozen. But then that's like oh, and here's a bunch of new clones that I like did a few years later. So you have yeah. that kind of clash of. What stuff is like now, and Abraham Lincoln learning about cancel culture, kind of, but sure, yeah, um, yeah. Apparent, uh, yeah. Two things. One, um, yeah. I hear that. I know. I didn't watch the leak um, mainly because I couldn't find it. Um, <laughs> uh, I did hear that. Like, I, th- I don't know if this is just like, because um, I think one of the creators. I don't know if this is him, like, just being like defensive and upset but he's like i think he did respond to one of the tweets being like hey like you watched something that like wasn't finished like like i don't base your opinion off just that or something to that effect yeah um like, yeah i i'll watch it when it's when it's out out um yeah uh, i also like i'm not endorsing like watching leaks stuff. i'm like i saw yeah like, i what saw, pl- I saw what, what platform is, is it a paramount plus thing um 
Or is I'm it? I'm not sure. I forget. It's, yeah. Like, Paramount um, Plus would make sense because MTV barely shows anything anymore. Let's, right. It's like, just ridiculous. It's uh, marathons all the time. Yeah. yeah. Also, if you do want to watch the original Clone High, um, I, I've recommended this before and it still is not taken down. If you just go to YouTube and type in Clone High on the channel Retro Rerun, it's just every single episode. Great. Just yeah. like 8.5 million views and it's just not taken down. That's really good. Yeah. yeah and the original Clone High also has, I think, one of the better theme songs of the era. Or like oh, the yeah. One. And I... And the leak did not contain what they were going to do for a theme song there. So I'm very hopeful they kind of retain it. Yeah. Yeah. Abandoned Pools. I've been meaning to give there. I think there's one other song I've heard from them that I like it as well. Yeah. Um, but, Andy, we mentioned before you like, you're kind of like a Comedy Central guy. Did you watch a lot of Workaholics, which I believe is Jillian Bell's previous big thing? Sure. No, I was not a Workaholics person in any way, shape, or form. That did, I was, seemed pretty allergic to that i didn't i didn't really ever like even give it a chance it's like this seems bad that one guy i don't like the way he looks uh you know uh didn't didn't want to engage with it and i, I did you know, like jillian Mel, like she was a comedy central darling for a minute right because she they also gave her her own show for a, a minute uh that i think was not successful idiot sitter i believe oh uh, yeah uh the title um uh yeah she's an interesting i I was going to say, it's been very interesting that we've been talking about 22 Jump Street without mentioning her yet, which uh, lines up with my experience of the movie, where it's like, oh, I guess we need a, a villain uh, reveal. Because uh, her role up until the reveal is just for her to do, like, classic uh, 2010s, like, insult comedy riffs, right? Where she just, like, is there to just make old jokes about Jonah Hill, uh, like, yeah. in three separate scenes. Uh, and then she is revealed to be, like, the drug kingpin or whatever. Um, yeah. and, and you were like, if I wanted to hear, like, old jokes, I could just log on to Discord right now. Yes. Um, but, you know, it's, I don't know. It, it, it is that, that it was, like, a very in, in style of comedy, right? Where it was just, like, mm-hmm. just saying, like, you look like, and then, like, coming up with a funny thing after that, right? Is, like, a, it was a big, like studio comedy thing for a while there like i feel like that was a very big thing in like melissa mccarthy movies like it's it's a it's a real thing and like you know she does that in this movie and then she like has a couple of action set pieces where she's like yeah and then they do the weird like are they gonna like where she's like trying to make out with jonah hill while they're fighting or whatever and he's not into it i don't know she's among the least successful elements of the movie to me in my opinion yeah, I, I would mostly agree, though I do think, like, the part where, like, she's, yeah, she's going in for, like, a kiss, is, that was the part where I'm like, or, in watching this, I think I forgot that happened, where I'm like, feels like they're about to kiss, and then, like, the leans into that, and like, oh, sure. Right. Um, also, MTV Movie Awards, spoiler, it's a big reveal that she's the villain. You're out here nominating yeah. her. Giving it I mean, away. Oh yeah. There was there's a fir- there's a few years in their history where like they seemed very like they were they weren't really nominating the twist villains, um, give or take, um, yeah. Edward Norton and Primal Fear. But even that, like, I think you can keep that ambiguous. But it's my big theory of why Scream was never nominated for best villain. And, sure. Right. But then at a certain point, they're like, yeah, Dwayne Johnson is Agent Twenty Three, best villain. Like, sure. Although I like, I guess it had come out like the previous summer, right? So it's like not like like 
If you had got, if you were gonna see Twenty Two Jump Street, you'd probably gotten around to it by then. But still, very weird to uh, to give away a, a reveal, especially for someone who like she doesn't really pop as the villain in, in, in it. I don't think. Yeah, Peter Sorner, I think, is more successful as like the ghost. <laughs> but she, she has her moments. This is also one where you're like, oh right, this is before Amber Stevens does like the Carmichael show. That's right. It is early in her. Uh, Brie Larson not in this one. Uh, do they even reference her? Right, I don't remember. Like no, it's, yeah. yeah, they they don't really re- reference her. If it, like I think the closest is when like Schmidt's like, well, I had sex this time because obviously he can't in the first one. Right, for... sure. Um, they do bring um, uh, what's his name back? Uh, uh Rob, Rob Riggle. Rob Riggle. And... That's right. Interesting scene. Uh, with uh, Dave Franco. Um, yeah. I probably don't want to get too into that one. Um, There's also like, yeah, it, it's one where I'm like, oh right, it's still kind of of a time. Sure. Yeah. And that like and then mean spirit. I don't know. I, we don't. Yeah. Know, so, yeah. There's <laughs> another bit with them at the very end, which I had never realized. But if you watch to the very end, yeah. it's where Robert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't need to talk about where I'm like, oh, I did not know this was in here, but yeah, it is. They do have like a cast of things like when your professors are like or. H. John Benjamin's the football coach, and then Patton Oswalt gets a scene in. <laughs> right. H. John like, Benjamin weirdly under... Like, I feel like there was a bunch of stuff with him that was cut out. There's the weird runner about them trying to knock over the the field knock goal. Knock over the thing. thing. And he's like, you're never going to get it down. And then, like, eventually it does go down, and he gets really upset about it. Which, I feel like there was much more there, and they really cut it down to the bare bones yeah. of it all. It, it's still really <laughs> funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's also, I think, one of the better scenes of the movie, when they start going where they're like, we blew all the money, you can't spend any more money, and then it's just a chase sequence. Yeah. Where it's just expensive thing after expensive thing. That's one where, like, I wanted them to do more with that kind of gag. Like, that level of meta, like, I feel like they sort of abandoned it. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the Benny Hill Museum gag? Just when they uh, go by that for a second? or, or I, didn't, stu- I didn't really clock that one. It's, I'm, it's not ringing a bell. Yeah, but there's a point where, like, they they go by, I think it's, like, the Benjamin Hill Institute of, like, co- comedy or television or something, and you uh-huh. make way... And they do kind of a circle, and you hear sort of the... Like, do, 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 sure. do, do. Yeah. yeah. Zapping sacks. That sounds fun. I probably would have... Yeah. I probably... Maybe I was, like, putting my dishes away for breakfast or whatever. I watched it this morning. Um, yeah. You're like, bring back Jimmy Tatro. Tatro. Like, it's not his is... fault that American Vandal had it. Sure. Uh, he's pretty good. Uh, and Wyatt Russell... The, the Wyatt Russell-Channing Tatum relationship is fun. Uh, not where, yeah, the meat cute thing, uh, yeah. is enjoyably labored, especially because like the the Q tip joke before it becomes apparent that it's there for that reason really got me. Where Jonah Hill's just like, it's a weird. <laughs> this is a weird time to use a Q tip. Why are you doing that? Like that, just that joke in isolation made me laugh. And then I was like, oh, they have that here for this very labored pun that they're gonna do. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of, yeah, it's, it is one of those, like, they're throwing a bunch of jokes at the wall, they're really trying to make you laugh a lot. I do think, yeah, Channing's funny, I think Jonah Hill's okay, um, and Ice Cube is MVP. I'll also say, this film kind of reminded me of another film I saw yesterday, my beloved Scream Life sequel, Missing, which is another sequel that, without giving too much away, kind of relies, it, it basically relies on the audience having uh, one of their big ideas here, where they're like, 
everything is exactly the same as the first time um, but before revealing that that's not the case but right they're like that's like the one of the overriding meta jokes is like you have to do the same thing again and then there's yeah. jokes about being like there's jokes about um them like saying like no we have to make it different or whatever like they're like gonna go against yeah, when Mark Evan Jackson gets framed by Nesnik Offerman's everything that is on the TV, he's like, it was very similar to the case we had in uh, high school a couple years ago. Exactly the same. Which is, right. <laughs> also, that is another thing where, like, he briefly mentions, like, whatever the name of, like, the, the theory he mentions, which helps them realize that, oh, the person, the death they're looking was, like, the dealer, not, like, uh, yeah, not someone who had, who had bought or something, but when he's like, oh yeah, this this thing is like, what's that? He's like, oh, when someone says like the first piece of information, and you just kind of latch onto it, and it's like an example of them now, but they're like, oh wait, we've been looking at this all wrong. Like, sure. <laughs> Jimmy Tatro's red herring tattoo. Um, oh yeah, that's like I always like that joke. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's Wyatt Russell's tattoo. Well, Jimmy Tatro has the red herring, and then Wyatt Russell has the. Oh right, has the actual. Oh yeah. Bill Hader's brief pop-up at the end during the, right. the culinary school. <laughs> that's that's a good cameo. Seth Rogen's also, the cameo's pretty good. Um, yeah. It sounds like it's Will Forte's one of the announcers for the football games. I couldn't figure out who the other one was. I probably should have researched that. Um, yeah. yeah, Will Forte, of course, like, uh, yeah, because of Clone High, like a real Lord and Miller, like, regular. Right, and they produced Last Man on Earth, too. Yeah. Um, yeah i do yeah i do like the so the the ending credits gag like definitely was very successful yeah uh, it's because my girlfriend was definitely fully convinced that there was a 23 jump street mm-hmm. she's like there no there there has to be one i remember seeing something about it uh-huh and it's like it's like no it's because the credits are just all of the <laughs> a yeah. bunch of different ones yeah actually there had been a planned sequel um this came out in the Sony email hats, I think. Yes, huge. Yeah, the Sony leaks. Yeah, which Very. we talk about in the Best Kiss episode because the interview is on that. Right. Um, well, what's the Jonah Hill quote? Very true and rad and cool or something. I forget what his word is. It's, 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 but the pitch was yeah. MIB 23, that it would be a 21, 23 Jump Street and Men in Black crossover. <laughs> yeah, which. <laughs> feels probably good that one didn't go through um yeah i mean as they much made as people are like maybe Internet we'd have got a good said, which like you know not not we're not coming out winning there but you know maybe it would have been yeah <laughs> yeah it's maybe for the best that this got two movies and then the second one kind of because people are surprised they're like why don't you make a sequel and you're like the ending kind of puts that to bed almost um, yeah uh, does anyone have any more 22 Jump Street thoughts? I do not. Ben, you got anything? No, no. Cool. In that case, um, then we can go from college and then head to the past. The future past. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Is... Um, yeah. I... So I'm not. I don't keep up with any of the X Men movies. Sure. Um, I've seen. I've seen X Men. I've seen X Two for this podcast. Okay. I probably saw the first one in Last Stand as a child, but I remember nothing. Sure. Um, well, having seen two, you know how important William Stryker is then. So I'm sure all that land is really well for your next movie. Future past. 
Yeah. I'll be honest, I completely forgot all of it. I, I, I don't know. I didn't latch on to X-Men 2 at all. Sure. <laughs> I did like, um, yeah. I really liked this one, though. Very much like this movie. Um, I don't, I'm not sure how, I'm not sure how it fits into, like, the entire X-Men, like, <laughs> thing. Because, because, like, I'm watching this and I'm like, oh, so this is, like, the second movie in, like, of the sort of the prequel, cast, yeah, the yeah. prequel reboot. But includes like a uh-huh. bunch of legacy. Well, like the three main legacy. Or I guess there's more than that, but like the three that like I know, like right. uh, Xavier, Magneto, Wolverine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and like, yeah. So like I've seen, yeah, I've seen X two, and then I've al- I've also seen um, Wolverine X Men Origins. Oh. Um, have not seen like Wolverine Wolverine, and I've not seen Logan yet. I want to see Logan sure. though. Um, yeah, Wolverine yeah, is I, my fave. That's my number one X Men. That oh man, because I I definitely went to like a YouTube video I was, with a video where I was like all X Men movies chronological right. order timeline explained <laughs> just so I could like oh, figure boy. it out. That, no, no one can <laughs> decipher that. I gotta tell you. <laughs> um, yeah, the Wolverine. I looked at the synopsis. And I was like, oh, that doesn't sound like very good. And I'm like, oh, may, oh okay. Well, it's good to know that it's maybe it's it's better than it its synopsis. Yeah, it, um, it's definitely better. Like, Logan kind of took the shine as, oh, this is the best Wolverine film. But, like, people liked the Wolverine at the time. Like, it's, though, it's not hard to be better than Wolverine Origins. Um, yeah. That movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember liking it, but I was also a child. But, um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, had a, a, I had a roommate once who, like, could not believe that I did not like X-Men Origins Wolverine. <laughs> like, what, just, like, was like, what are you talking about? Everyone loves yeah. that movie. Yeah. But uh, are both of you at least uh, X Men c- cinematic wise? Uh, uh, you have you have you seen them at least all the ones that matter for this movie? Weirdly, I've never seen the original X Men of the trilogy. Like I, I'm I'm about to launch into a whole spiel where I kind of like clarify some things for you. But like it it was kind of where I saw like the Last Stand and then kind of saw some of these newer ones and then X Two we went back eventually my interest in watching brian singer movies without like a greater reason dis evaporated um mm-hmm. for various reasons uh this is actually kind of kind of funny because yeah uh we talked about x2 bri- briefly with another host of can i kick it uh jesse just mm-hmm. i'm uh, sure she loved it yeah she definitely didn't say let's not talk about this movie really um yeah i so i this was an important time like so this was you know the x-men franchise has always been like a little bit adorably shaggy like it's been like they were out there first like they got like x-men the first one was like i think 2000 uh and like i was like 10 I was so bummed that I couldn't see it because I wasn't 13 and it was a PG-13 movie. Uh, it was sort of, like, on the front lines of, like, what movie culture is now, right? Superhero movies. It's, like, one of the first ones that, like, really set that template. Uh, and ever since then, it's kind of always... ever Once Spider-Man came out, it always felt like it was, like, playing catch-up a little bit with, like, what everyone else was doing. Uh, and so, like, they did the trilogy. Uh, X... The third one, X-Men The Last Stand, famously uh, a creative failure directed by Brett Ratner, 
taking over for Brian Singer. Uh, they were like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? They try to do Origins Wolverine. That is also a creative failure. People, people don't like that movie. That movie also leaked, right? That was famously a movie that leaked early and like people yes. could just download. Um, so it didn't perform very well at the box office. Uh, then they're like, okay, we're just going to do like, a, we're doing first class. We're rebooting everything, right? And then in 2012, The Avengers comes out, right? And is the biggest movie of all time, right? Is huge, is like enormous. And so Fox, the controller of the X-Men, were like, well, fuck, we have to like do a big team over crossover move, team up crossover movie. And so they rush this one in. They bring Brian Singer back. There were plans to just do like first class two. And uh, um, Matthew, what's his name? Um, was going to direct it. Matthew Vaughn, thank you. Was going to direct it. Like they were going to do, like, because they had also scrapped, like, they had had plans for like Mag- Origins Magneto and that sort of morphed into first class or whatever. And so I had caught some of them, but not all of them when this one was coming out. But in the way that I did before Avengers, I saw Avengers, I caught up on all the MCU movies because I wasn't like early on the train there. I caught up with all those the summer of the summer that Avengers came out. And then I saw Avengers in theaters. This one, I, I was like, I got to catch up on all the X-Men movies. So I like watched all of them in the run up to Days of Future Past because like I was like, I'm going to be fucking on board for this. This is going to be huge. Like, this is a huge cultural event. They're bringing the X-Men cast together. And, like, clearly Fox was rushing it. Like, they should have probably done at least one more that was just... One or two more that was just the future... Or the the uh, the, the new... The, the reboot cast, right? Before they rushed into, like, the crossover. And especially, like, I think X-Men Days of Future Past is a, certainly a very interesting movie that has a lot going on and is very complicated and has, like, some tremendous sequences in it that I'm sure we'll talk about. I don't think it really scratches the, like, they're all here itch, especially in in the shadow of the Avengers, which, like, that movie succeeds so wildly on that front of the, like, oh my god, they're all together here in one movie, like, isn't that crazy? Like, Days of Future Past doesn't really do that, because, like, it sort of keeps all the, like, it keeps the timelines mostly separate. The two Professor X's meet for one scene. The two Magnetos do not meet at all, which is a little crazy. Wolverine is sort of the focal point of the of the timelines, but he sort of gets lost for a while in the middle of it. They, like, have to do all this uh, X-Men first-class sequel stuff that, like, doesn't quite line up with. The Sentinels have sort of come out of nowhere. There's, like, a lot of stuff in this that is, like, makes it for, like, a weird misshapen movie. But I do think, like, it has a lot of really cool stuff. I think it really runs out of steam. The, the, I think that, like, the third act is, like, really kind of deadly dull but there's a lot of cool stuff in the run-up to that and it is fun to see all my x-men like it's fun to see like professor x and magneto back and all that 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 stuff yeah this is a movie it's actually i think it's i'm I'm trying to think now yeah i had seen the wolverine in theater so yeah this would have been the second proper x-men movie i actually yeah. saw like in theaters and then i saw logan and i guess new mutants for some reason and i'm like yeah i'll go see that in theaters um sure 
for some yeah it was, so, i mean it was the first movie to like be released in theaters in a very long time <laughs> yeah it was like 2020 so any opportunity i had to like go up to like a theater i was taking it which sometimes worked out great like my watching the broken hearts gallery by myself at like late not late night of the theater was fun and then sometimes it was like new mutants where i'm like eh, not really working for me um yeah Wolverine, definitely a character I have a lot of affinity to. Mm -hmm. Um, Famously in high school, I had sideburns, um, and people would go, you look like Hugh Hugh Jackman, you look like Wolverine. And then when I started working at a summer camp, they were like, like, yeah, you can have a nickname, if you can be like nature-basing me something, and I'm like, ah, if I do Wolverine, it works on a couple levels. And then that's also become a big part of my, like, online identity and various, various things, so... I remember, this is a movie I like a lot, like, weirdly, for all its rush, I do remember, like, the reception being really positive, uh, people were going crazy for the Quicksilver scene. Um, that, I mean, that is, like, its legacy. Like, that, that scene yeah. has so many YouTube views, like, w- just watching that scene in isolation, they, like, yeah. do it again in the next one, they're like, we gotta have another Quicksilver sequence. Like, that move, like, and it's kind of, like, it's become, like, well, that's how you do, like, a speedster in a movie, like, that's, like, what the what the expectation is now um yeah that's like the iconic scene from this yeah i would challenge that by saying have you ever seen the flash like save someone and then also get like a hot dog um but uh-huh that seems yeah. like oh. kind of the same thing in my opinion we'll see um, well i suppose well, no one yeah. enters the speed force in this movie that's true yeah no one enters the speed force in x-men but hmm. but but this was also one I was curious about because the interesting thing about First Class was it was not really based that much on existing material. Like, mm-hmm. it was adapting some stuff that was similar, like Magneto's origins and the stuff, but, like, there is no X-Men story where they're in the middle of the Cuban Missile Crisis. Sure. Yeah. And then this one, but Days of Future Past is one of, I would say, um, I at least before the like m- most recent iteration of X-Men, which has become, though that's less a story and more just a status quo, it is one of the more famous X-Men stories um, up there with Dark Phoenix, a story they have tried to adapt twice, badly both times. Sure. <laughs> Certainly, yeah. Not, not perceived yeah. as successful either time. I know some people <laughs> stick up for the second one. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wait, sorry. So this... This movie yeah. is not really based on much comic book stuff. No, correct? no. Uh, oh. This this one is well, kind of. Okay. Days of there Future is Past a... is like a comic book title, right? That's like okay. The... Yeah, that yeah. I'm just wondering, like one of the famous yeah, alternate oh, futures slash alternate timelines has like a very famous X Men trope uh, because of Days of Future Past, which is a story where um, in that in that film it's like it's Kitty Pride who, because of her power to, like, kind of phase, is able to go from this bad future um, to the past to try and... Like, it's it's similarly, it's we have to stop the assassination of this guy, except Sentinels already exist to some degree, and it's, all, and it's just contemporary to whenever the story came out. It's not like... And now they're getting mixed up with Nixon. Um, Obviously, this one changes it to Wolverine because Kitty Pride had been in one film. Um, right. 
Uh, Hugh Jackman was yeah. the the marquee star from the X Men films. Yeah, um, and the, I will say, like the logic they use to like make it so that Wolverine is the one who has to go back in time, I think is very good. Like there are, it's like he's the only one who can like physically survive having his brain, his consciousness set back that far because his body will just. Yeah, I think that's a, a fun idea. Yeah, I also I think we brought it. I think I brought it up because I saw it when I was looking at the stuff for X two, mm-hmm. but I forgot about it and I was shocked about it in this movie that. Magneto's being held away because he killed JFK, and then which is yeah. funny. Wow! Um, and then the double twist of it being J- JFK right. was a mutant. That's right. He's trying to save him. That's why the bullet exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, which is crazy, amazing. I, I love mean, right. that. X Men First Class is about the Cuban Missile Crisis, and like JFK is sort of referred to peripherally. I don't think, I don't think you see him in the same way you see Nixon in this one. Which, no, yeah, I, that is an A-plus creative decision to just have someone play President Nixon yeah, in X-Men. I love, uh, I love that so much. It's so amazing. <laughs> it's um, also funny that they felt the need to address the Nixon tapes and the missing gap where they're like, what if they were talking about the X-Men? <laughs> right, yeah. It's so crazy. And, like, I think, so, the, the X-Men, like, reboot, like, it, they do one movie per decade, right? So Apocalypse is in the 80s and then Dark Phoenix is in the yeah. 90s. So I think they have Reagan on screen in the 80s in Apocalypse. And I think Brian Darcy James plays the president in Dark Phoenix. And I think that means canonically he, in my head at least, I don't think they identified him as such. He is H.W. Bush in in, uh, in Dark Phoenix. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Brian Darcy James of Shrek the Musical? Shrek the Musical and of course the most recent <laughs> Into the Woods revival on Broadway where he played the bass. Yeah. Yeah, that was the thing, too, where, like, when I was looking that up, I'm like, oh, hey, I know that name. That's right. Yeah. Grammy-winning cast album for that production. I forgot to mention that earlier. Um, But anyway, back to X-Men Days of Future Past. Um, Right, Nixon's in it. But I do think, like, so, to talk about the reason we're talking about this, right, it's tricky with X-Men because, like, Magneto is your classic X-Men villain, right? But they want to do a team-up movie where everyone has to like come together so that means you need another villain so they have peter dinklage as scientist and sentinel inventor boulevard trask um and this is like peter dinklage of course is like popping right now right this is like a couple years into game of thrones um he's you know it's like and i believe like the character this is a character from the comics right but he is not like a person with dwarfism in the comics, right? They just sort of are like, he's going to play this character, I think. Um, yeah. Which is like a good good decision on their, their yeah, part. Absolutely. Like, um, yeah. But like, as a villain, he's just like a guy, right? And so like, he's not that exciting as an X-Men villain, I don't think. Yeah. yeah they it's... have to add that he's stealing government secrets just yeah. to have a reason for him to like go to jail at the end. Right. Um, yeah, which, yeah, very very strange yeah it's it's tough when your villain in the superhero movie is just the guy um yeah i think it's done not too bad in when we did a few weeks ago iron man 2 because at least he's like kind of goofy and fun mm-hmm. um yeah but i feel like it's just like i don't think peter Dinklage is not like, not a bad actor just the no, character no. is not it's just not given a lot like he doesn't have like 
a hook. He doesn't have anything yeah. that's like. And the movie is like just... clearly much more interested in like what is going on with Magneto and Mystique and like these other characters who have fulfilled villain roles in the past, but who are forming uneasy alliances. And so, like, it's just like it doesn't have the time to like make him interesting. I don't think. No, it's got it's got a lot going on in this movie. Well, and also like his uh, the primary threat is like his invention, the Sentinels, which I think they are in like the opening sequence is like a big future sequence where you like you have Blink creating all these portals and like there's a lot of fun mutant action in the first thing. Yeah, but I don't think the Sentinels end up being a particularly successful like physical threat in terms of like how memorable or imposing they actually are. Like, oh, yeah. They're definitely robots. not as visual in- visually interesting as the comics big purple guys. Yeah. Like the they 70s look like versions. Transformers. It's like, okay. Yeah. The 70s versions are kind of cool. And I like that obviously they have two different designs in the two timelines. Right. And like, and it Ma- kind of makes Magneto sense. takes over a bunch of them by putting metal in them at one point. That's kind of fun. Yeah. I like that a lot too. Um, yeah. It's really tough. Cause like, yeah, I feel like, it's the ones that look a little neater. I like the seventies designs a little more cause they're closer to like the big purple ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also like don't do much cool stuff. They sort of just shoot their little minigun hand at a couple cars, right. but like the ones that look like they're not like a horrible design, but like no. as like your main threat, like they look like, an enemy from like they look like enemy fodder from like a video game like they don't look yeah and i mean like yeah in the future timeline they like have mystique powers right where they can like sort of change like what their form is made out of uh which i guess like doesn't help with them having a particularly memorable visual design because it can change right like their like outer shell can change but um yeah i don't yeah i don't think they're not visually what you need them to be and it's like they do i do like having watched all the x-men movies they do kind of just come out of nowhere it's like oh this is like the big threat in this okay where did this come from like i don't like quite understand why why this is as big a deal that like it seems like they're on the verge of wiping out all of all of humanity including all the mutants uh in, in, in the, you know in, in in the in the future status quo yeah and like the comics have done sentinel stuff before and like it made more sense as like a comic thing but here, I'll say, definitely the future, like, the stuff with Trass and the Sentinels is not as interesting as the stuff that actually is just a first-class sequel of exploring. Here's Charles and Magneto and, like, Mystique and kind of their their relationship, which, again, was mostly just invented for first-class. Like, Mystique has a very long history in in the comics where, actually, uh, she's, she's one of the older mutants, actually, and fun thing about about her is there's a story where they heavily imply that she is just like sherlock holmes like she was just the inspiration for sherlock holmes and some guy took all like the the credit because her canonical like comic love interest is named irene adler just (laughs) sure yeah which and it's also something where i think my big take on this x-men trilogy is always like fox must have felt that they had lucked out when jennifer lawrence blew up right after they had her on like contract to do multiple x-men movies right because this is this one is the same year as mockingjay part one is that right or it's it's the same year as one of the hunger games movies yeah like first class comes out like the year before the hunger games 
obviously like she had done Winter's Bone to to and like right. Silver Li- Silver Linings Playbook is like the year before I right. think so she's an or, Oscar like, winner now yeah yeah <laughs> yeah where all of a sudden they're like we can do excellent movies with her and to her credit she is still like committed in this one like I think by Dark Phoenix she's definitely like checked out but well that uh, she, that think, like, right that she's in Dark Phoenix yeah. is wild because like. She was done with yeah. her contract, but then, like, I guess it was, like, Brian Singer wasn't directing it, and she, will like, kill you off. Work. Um, so she was, like, willing to come back for that one. And, right, and also they kill her off very early on. Spoiler. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, Mystique is a character who, in these movies, has to do, like, a lot of kung fu while naked, basically. Uh, and she does commit to that. At one point, she has her, like, leg up for a very long time. I'm like, how is she keeping her leg up that long? Um, while she's pinning someone to the wall with her foot. Um, yeah, I think she's alright. Uh, the whole, yeah, the, like, the moral, like, it is, they really do a lot of work to put, like, the moral argument at the front of this, where it's like, you can't kill one person, it'll create this cascading effect, and she's like, no, let, let me have my autonomy, let me decide who I kill or don't kill or whatever, and, like, I'm not sure that's interesting, uh, or, um, like, as, yeah, mo- as it, morally complex as they want to make it out no, to be. No, <laughs> really, it really only works if you kind of assume that, like, Mystique, like, just doesn't believe them. Right. And just, like, is just, like, just doesn't want to hear about, oh, it's, like, the future. Like, like Xavier and Magneto get to, like, sit down and sort of, like, realize and believe in full, like, what's going on. And she yeah. never gets that chance. Because if she did... This right. already kind of uninteresting moral thing just becomes right. twice yeah, it's as very, very just, obvious. Well, like, like, you it's like oh, just <laughs> like just don't shoot. Like I understand it sucks. Just don't shoot the guy. Yeah, um, yeah it's just uh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. But oh, yeah. Man, sorry, I lost. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, but so like, yeah. There's a lot of weird stuff in this. There's a lot of confusion. I think it's bloated. It's it is like two hours and. 30 minutes long like it's very long uh uh and like it is it is clearly i think chasing that avengers high and like doesn't quite get there in that well-oiled machine way that the avengers does but i do think like there's a lot to like it it's pretty messy there's it's fun to see a lot of the characters um uh wolverine has bone uh things instead of uh adamantium which is cool um you know there's a lot of, it, it, it juggles about a lot of balls in the air, not quite successfully, but there are some moments that really save the quality. Yeah. yeah. I remember yeah, I like my my major takeaway from this movie, um, having watching almost none of the other ones. Yeah. And like this feels like the accumulation of a decent chunk of things, or at the very least, like right. all of the original trilogy and then one of the reboots. Right. Um I do yeah, I do think like if they had waited, yeah. it would have been a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i feel like because i yeah i very i i like i think the new cast is not bad i do right. i do like um uh the new patrick stewart guy and he's pretty good yeah yeah i think yeah new magneto um was it uh, uh michael fassbender uh, yeah. who we talked about last week for 12 years of slave oh oh yeah oh my gosh what range yeesh yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, it's crazy we can that talk about this movie lost. a lot longer than our Twelve Years a Slave segment. Sure, it's crazy that that <laughs> yeah. was nominated and then lost for best villain. 
Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That's nice. Oh man. Yeah. No. Um. Yeah. I think. I think the ones I like when he lifts the stadium. I think it's just visually kind of cool. That is. Yeah. Um, it's very cool. That is. Yeah. It just kind of uses that to like because like yeah that's really cool. Um, it's like this... elaborate. I'm like you couldn't think of a simple yeah. traffic one. Yeah. <laughs> you to bring a exactly. whole ass baseball stadium with you. <laughs> um, the Quicksilver in this, that is yeah. the Quicksilver that is original to, or that is like for the reboot, that he's not in the original trilogy at all, right? Correct. Right. He's Quicksilver was character. not in in those ones. So in the comics, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver are originally Magneto's children, and then in recent years, they were kind of um, explained as not actually being his children um, for right rights reasons but yeah but yeah quicksilver was like in this one and i think i'm trying to remember the logic logistics they had to know that they were going to try and do quicksilver in the avengers but this was the famous there's right. two quicksilvers here right had they already cast what's his face in aaron taylor time? johnson aaron taylor johnson i don't remember if they had or not uh i do remember yeah. it being like there being articles about like there's murky contractual issues, so that means Quicksilver is going to have two different sort of portrayals or whatever. They don't have Wanda in the X Men at all, um, and then of course yeah, that does you see her whole... watching TV, kind of. Sure, but... that does lead to the whole uh, kerfuffle um, in uh, WandaVision, of course, where they don't get Aaron Taylor Johnson back, but they do bring um, Evan Peters. Evan Peters in as Quicksilver. <laughs> And everyone thought it was going to be more of a thing than it was. And then he was just some guy. Uh, uh, <laughs> the rumors for WandaVision got so crazy when everyone's yeah. like, and then Dick Van Dyke is going to play the devil. Right. He's going to be no, in a lot of, right. He's going to be in like a lot of Marvel stuff going forward. 93 year old Dick Van Dyke. Right. Yeah. yeah. Before they announced it was King, everyone thought it was Mephisto. They're like, yeah, they'll be Marvel's next big villain. We're like, they're never, ever, ever going to touch Mephisto. Like it's and then well, and then the reasonable people people were like, Brian Cranston's gonna play Mephisto. Uh, <laughs> crazy times. Uh, um, yeah, but yeah, Evan Peters oh, very man. good as Quicksilver. That sequence iconic. They do do it again to I think slightly diminishing returns in Apocalypse, although it's still pretty good. Um, yeah, the song choice is good in that one. Yeah. I've seen that scene at the very least. Yeah. It is funny that they're like, well, this has to be like our signature scene now when we have him in. Like, he has right. to have this Quicksilver scene. Well, and also, like, Days of Future Past, like, completely dropped Quicksilver. He, like, does not matter at all after the his one sequence. Like, he's, I guess he still shows up a couple of times, but, like, he is not a character of consequence once he has helped them uh, break Mickey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. weird. Is he is he in first class? No. No it's wow that's so weird because like, like it, yeah oh sorry go on but then that's why it makes it strange when like logan sets up that he already knows him because yeah it made it seem like oh we're about to see like a, a legacy uh a, like a right. yeah like we're about to see like oh he's gonna go see but then it's, i guess it's like yeah <laughs> all right it's I like guess... when harry potter and the half-blood prince just kind of expects you to remember who aragog was because he did not adapt that part of the books except for like chamber of secrets right and that thing of like they expect you to just fill in the blanks with your existing knowledge yeah um i before we move on i do want to talk briefly about the the wolverine wakes up scene which brings back like all the 
legacy players like you so you you have uh magneto um and uh professor x and wolverine and then like in the rogue cut you have rogue uh in the original and uh sean ashmore and maybe a couple of, i like blink isn't in any of the other ones but um but so you have them like throughout but then like and oh and storm storms in, in that too in that section too uh but then like at the end you do have like they get marsden back for a moment they they could bring kelsey grammar back as beast who is of course only in the third x-men uh <laughs> and they put him in all that makeup for him to walk down the hallway for five seconds and say like late start logan <laughs> which i think is very funny um apparently kelsey grammar like loved playing beast and was like i will play him again anytime no matter what they want me to do um but I like that sequence a lot where it's like revisiting all your old yeah. friends and like Mutant's still alive and all that stuff. So It is funny that Brian Singer was like, let me undo the movie I wasn't there for that I killed mean, off like James Marsden. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's uh, I think it's a fair call because that movie is not good. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know. Well, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I have wait, I have two more X Men Days of Future Past things. Great, Just, I'm glad, I am yeah. very glad we're not talking about Gone Girl yet. Um, yeah, <laughs> so my two 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 just like funny jokes that I really enjoyed. Um, both of them, I think, from the I think from the Magneto breakout scene. Um, one is when they kind of replace the security monitors with uh, Sanford and Sons, and there's one guy that just like is like laughing and enjoying it um that's pretty good um also does not seem like the appropriate reaction to like several security cameras like being not functional in like the pentagon um but hey what are you gonna do and then it's it's like a it's a what's like the ear equivalent of blink it's a ear blink and you miss it moment um where they're giving the tour and like as the voice is fading away one of the one of the people's like i need to use the washroom and it's like, well, luckily you have a lot to choose from because this place was built uh, during segregation, so there's twice as many bathrooms. Um, <laughs> and that's just a, it's a very strange and pretty kind of funny throwaway line um, in X-Men, the days of future past. You know, those days of future past, I think they're gone, girl. Um, I'm filling them <laughs> with the transitions this week. <laughs> Andy's here. I gotta bring my A game on like switching the movie segment, so he thinks we do this all the time, That's and true. it's not just me going, uh, "Let's switch," and not when we just stumble into stuff. Sure. I mean, yeah. on my podcast, that's very often how we do it. Uh, none of us are really <laughs> in charge of that, uh, which is a, a bit of a problem, I think, sometimes. Um, very... Gone Girl. Very... So, does this movie have a reputation that I should be aware of? Uh. <laughs> It's interesting. I mean, it is a real, like, they don't make them like this anymore sort of movie for a lot of people, yeah. I think. Because uh, when, I, when I watched it, there's a bit of a, I had, like, a bit of a, a thought of, like, you know how the movie Disclosure mm-hmm. kind of seems like the movie that would be made by a guy who, like, committed sexual assault and then goes... But what if I didn't do it and it was actually a weird plot, but the other person did it to me and just framed me. Uh-huh. And this movie feels like it's being made by someone who clearly murdered his wife, 
and then goes, but what if, what if I didn't murder my wife? And it's this giant elaborate plan she did to frame me. Uh-huh. So this is based <laughs> on a book written by a woman. Um, yeah, Gillian Flynn, it, who was a, yeah, a, a famous, was known to me as a, she was an Entertainment Weekly critic for a very long time. I think mostly television. Um, and then she sort of uh, had this book. Well, she's also, she's done a lot of books. She's had, she's she writes these thrillers because also, um, what's the Amy Adams one? Uh, uh, Sharp Objects is that what that's called? Yes. yes. Yeah. Sharp Objects um, is the other big like. That's the other Flynn big of. one of her books. But yeah, she writes these like th- fucked up thrillers that like have like interesting female protagonists. <laughs> yeah, and then of course this came on the thing of David Fincher, who we trying to think what Fincher movies we've covered on this podcast. It might just be seven when that was okay. But, um, yeah, yeah. I I don't think Benjamin Button got a kiss nom or something. Sure. I, I don't know if there's something like that. or like girl on girl on the dragon tattoo. Like right. Just, I guess that but, would have been in a villain contention, I suppose. Right. Um, yeah. It's right, and the Social Network, not really, not really. Yeah. That does seem like an MTV movie, but I'm not sure what categories. It, it got a best line nomination, but yeah. weirdly not for like one of the better lines in the film. Like, it, I mean, like it's tough we, to pick one in that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I might have to like go and find, but, but, but yeah, but D- David Fincher of some yeah, of some some renown kind of made this one, and yeah, then this film does have a very good reputation. Um. It, like I think the overall consensus is that he took this book that was, you, you know, again kind of just a thrill thriller, sort of your trashy paperback like type thing, and then he elevated uh in it a, elevated it a bit by just really kind of digging into like the the aspects of um I think as one review said like the idea of that part of a relationship where when you know someone long enough, you know all the worst parts of them, and you could use that against them at any time. Um, mm-hmm. This was a film, I remember seeing it, because I had not read the book, and I knew there was something about this movie, like, I knew there was going to be some kind of twist, but I wasn't sure what the twist was. I don't think I had guessed that she was still alive and had manipulated this. Like, I thought it was going to come down to a question of is Athwick innocent or not? And now there were points where I'm like, hmm, I'm like, I'm kind of hoping he's mm-hmm. he's innocent just because he seems so guilty. But, um, and it was very much, like, I, mean, I had a very, like, memorable thing in theaters when they have the big reveal of the diary sequel. Like, right. the, the last diary yeah. where she reveals that all the stuff right. about the money the problems cool, and right. the abuse. Yeah. The, the cool girl With speech, the cool right? Girl I guess that's what it's known yeah, for now. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. I had read the book before I saw the movie. Uh, it was one of the very first books I ever read on Kindle. Um, uh, oh, oh, I thought you were going to say it was one of the first books you had ever read. I'm like, huh? Just... No, that's not true. I've <laughs> read many books. Um, but uh, was, I got Must a Kindle. Be nice. Yeah, it's not, not bad. Yeah. Um, but, like, I had, you know, I was somewhat invested in Jillian Flynn because I was I'm such a huge Entertainment Weekly guy. And I was like, I gotta root for anyone who, like, has Entertainment Weekly connections or whatever. Entertainment Weekly was, like, a very important part of my pop culture uh, growth, especially in middle school where I'd go to the library every 
every study hall I had and just read entertainment weekly every week. Um, uh, yeah, so I had read the book. I knew the, I had heard the reputation of like the cool girl monologue and everything. I think I remember hearing it really recommended strongly on an early pop culture happy hour. Cause I remember like Linda Holmes saying like she, at, at one point she had just like hugged the book cause she was so glad excited about a reveal, which I think was the, like the, 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 she had faked it reveal. She was like, so she found that so exciting. And I'm not sure I like totally got the book the first time I read it. Um, but I think it's, it was good. And I saw the movie and I really liked the movie. Um, it's really like you know fincher is someone who i have not seen a lot of but i basically like everything i've seen uh i've missed a lot of his early stuff i was you know social network i've talked about this on my podcast social network famously i was at the time was like that's good but like it's gonna have no cultural tale like it's gonna have no impact on the world like no one's gonna remember this movie in five years uh which is one of the silliest things i've ever thought um so yeah, this was I think because I skipped Dragon Tattoo, which was the one in between this and Gone Girl and, and Social Network, because uh, that one seemed a little nasty. Um, but yeah, I remember look at being excited about it. I didn't really have strong Affleck feelings at the time, but I think he's like extremely good in this movie and is like such a wonderful bit of casting, uh, casting Ben Affleck as this guy. Um, and I remember. I think I knew about the Reese Witherspoon thing at the time as well, which was that Reese Witherspoon had gotten the rights to the book initially, uh, presumably for her to star in it, and she hired David Fincher to make it, and then he was like, I, you're not going to star in this. Uh, and they hired Rosamund Pike instead, and uh, it was probably for the best. She's really good in this movie. Um, uh, she is, of course, the nominee here for playing Amy Elliott Dunn. Another nomination that is a spoiler. Um, uh, that she's alive and also i guess positioning her as villain is also interesting because it's like who it's a real who's the real villain kind of movie <laughs> you know i guess she is like yeah. the villain in that she is a psychopath but like nick certainly is uh uh has 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 made a, a bit of a bed for himself uh in that allows <laughs> yeah. her to do this um uh yeah yeah, yeah that's cool. the kind of thing that's in- interesting in it in that like as much as obviously he, yeah, he's, he well, he's innocent of some of that stuff. It's still like, he's not like a great person. Um, but, no. yeah, you could argue the real villain is Neil Patrick Harris, who, um, who gives a very, I remember being surprised by like how off-putting his performance is in a good way, where you're like, oh yeah, no. so I so, or her yeah. parents, who somehow wrote a series of books that were just "girl does regular thing" and it's good at it. Um, yeah, she's amazing, Amy. <laughs> um, yeah, which I guess yeah. probably is not that far off from like just regular kids' books, like the Jun- Junie B, whatever that I'm picking in or something. In. Sure, well, but. But that whole thing where, like, she's like, yeah, she's like, I got cut, so, like, I got cut from the volleyball team, so she made varsity, like, is just, like, if her parents had got nominated, I'd go, yeah, that makes sense, her parents suck, like, it's, um... Yeah, they do seem pretty shitty, and then they're like, they need to borrow money from her, um, her trust fund. Um, she's a very interesting character, yeah, because, you know, she's a psychopath, and she's, uh, yeah, obviously, like, extremely smart, and, like, 
has been put in this role where she is just a housewife and nothing more, which leaves her all this time to like plot this elaborate. I'm going to make it look like my husband murdered me plot. Uh, and I think the reveal of that is like extremely well handled and extremely good. You get like all this fun stuff in the lead up to the reveal, right? Where it is like Ben Affleck is just like digging a hole deeper and deeper for himself. Um, you've got um, uh, Carrie Coon, of course, as his sister, who's really wonderful as, as a go. Um, you've got uh, the detective, Detective Boney, played by Kim Dickens. Uh, she's really good. Uh, who's like onto it. Um, yeah, and just the whole sort of, yeah, the slow burn until the reveal, I think, is, like, really masterful. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, the, the later sections, I think, aren't quite at the same level. Like, the whole her in the cabin with Lola Kirk is, like, okay, but not, like, wonderful, I think. And then, like, the stuff with her at Neil Patrick Harris's place, I think, is really good. Like, obviously, like, seeing her like improvise in real time how to like get back to nick and like the reveal that she is getting back to nick. and then the whole ending sequence where it's like she's trapping him in this life uh is really incredible um of course she makes him take off his clothes and get in the shower with her he sees dick for a second uh famously the internet uh exploded about that one um and then yeah, she has she she didn't uh, she didn't let them destroy the sperm sample. She's having a baby, and so they're trapped together forever. It's so fucked up. It's so crazy and fucked up what she does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but that way, Ben, you enjoy this movie, right? Oh yeah, no, I enjoyed this movie. Like, I thought it was. It's like. It's just crazy. It's yeah. just like it's like it's just a movie that just keeps on like yeah, man. it just keeps on twisting over itself. Tyler Perry plays yeah. a lawyer, like an attorney that like yeah, who's like he's like it's like introduction is like he's like a they don't say it specifically, but like it's implied that he's like a hey, if you're being accused of murdering your wife, I'm your guy. Yeah. I am the guy who gets all of those people off. Which is just like a really funny like introduction to a yeah. character. <laughs> He's introduced on on my one my favorite element I think, which is Missy Pyle uh, playing a Nancy Grace type uh, throughout. She's really wonderful, like spinning this narrative. Uh, I think she's really great. That's one of my favorite things in the movie is Missy Pyle as as, as a Nancy Grace. Yeah, that's uh, on cable TV. I've not seen a second of Nancy Grace, and I remember seeing that, and I'm like, oh, they're doing Nancy Grace. Wow, this is really good. Like, just, <laughs> yeah. That's how, like, well she kind of captures that kind of vibe. Like, it's... Yeah. Uh, of course, I'm always in for a late Scoot McNary reveal, too, who plays uh, Amy's first boyfriend, whose life she, she ruined in a different way. Um, he's really good in his one scene where he's like, to Ben Affleck, he's like, "Yeah, you're fucked, man. I don't know what to tell you. Like, she's this is just what she does. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, great, great moment. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah, the vibes the whole way through. Like, it's it's got a wonderful mastery of tone. Like, it really does. Like, it's got the David Fincher cool sort of sheen. Like, it's got the like the feel of like every take is like the five hundredth take or whatever thing." Like all, like you really feel all that stuff, and I think it's really effective for elevating this sort of like trashy thriller material. I think it really is a beautiful marriage of stuff like that. 
yeah, like, the vibes are very much feel bad, but it's also just compulsively watchable because of just the level of performance going on and craft and display and, like, and just stuff that's, like, really, every time I watch that movie, I go a couple days where I'm like, hmm, maybe I just want to watch Gone Girl again. Like, but, uh, like, I do think it's inter- yeah. interesting, like, our, arguably, like, the best reveal is when, like, she sees him put on the performance on the show, and th- that's also the moment, too, where you're just convinced he's going to, like, completely fuck it up for himself, because, like, the affair's just gone out there, and right. it's clearly a gotcha, and he's able to turn it around, and that's what convinces him, oh, this is who I'm supposed to be with, like, I just need to get all the pow- power back, but I'm gonna get my way back to him, I think is, like, just a really, like, thorny compelling idea to just throw out there of like yeah yeah and it really does like i feel like at that point that's like the point where like i feel like it is just like is such a like complete 180 from how she's been feeling the whole movie and that like yeah. he's just like oh like i'm just gonna oh he i need to be with him now and right. it's just like yeah it's just it's just oh it just it adds such a layer of like unpredictability like right near the end and i'm like okay god okay i know it like truly seals like how fucked up she is it's like i thought you were that bad but like you're actually this bad that's crazy that you like want to that you're drawn to this because he's so good at this manipulation or whatever um yeah it's crazy yeah and then she also has i think the the one thing though from this movie that lives on my head in in repeat there is when they're confronting at the end and she's like what she's like you know why would you even want this like i love you and all we did was resent each other try and control each other and we cause each other pain and then she's just like well that's marriage right it's a very very bleak view of relationship (laughs) and marriage for sure yeah but it's like full body chills in theater and yeah theater and like uh also guys oh who are you gonna shout out no, I just wanted to shout out the moment in the Cool Girl monologue where she says, like, cool girls watch Adam Sandler movies as, like, a one of the ultimate evils <laughs> that husbands inflict on their wives. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's, a fun, that's a funny bit, too. Um, yeah. There's a lot of fun stuff yeah. in that list of, like, what cool, cool girls do. Uh, that, you know, it is an iconic moment. Like, the, I think from the book, which it is cut down somewhat from the book, I believe. But, like, that is, like, that like two or three pages of the book is something that you will see like people just like will post it on Twitter from time to time and be like remember the cool girl monologue uh, or or, uh, so, yeah. or whatever it's uh yeah it's crazy yeah well like how people will sometimes just post the you is important stuff from the help except good sure right like, yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's exactly what I was thinking of good job <laughs> yeah it's you definitely were hoping I would bring up the help in that moment. Mm-hmm. That's the fun thing of this po- podcast is inevitably every episode will just reference stuff from like other episodes and movies we saw as we just watch all these d- different films. Sure. I'll say, yeah. This film, it makes sense that it kind of got the MTV nod because we'll typically go for a couple stuff that gets like a lot of acclaim and obviously Affleck mm-hmm. is really easy to to sell. But it's also one where you're like, sure. oh, it's wild that MTV movie awards is like, what, where are the teens... What could the teens vote for? Oh yeah, the the like weird the like fucked up marriage movie. Right. Like, the, yeah, the thriller. I feel like yeah, especially like 
they'll go for genre stuff. Like, you know, Gone Girl, famously, only Rosamund Pike got an Oscar nomination for Gone Girl. Didn't get any other nominations. And I do feel like, yeah, that's one one way the MTV Movie Awards can be like, oh, we're cooler than the Oscars. Is like, we'll give Gone Girl a few nominations. Um, yeah. Sort of thing. And then she'll lose some Meryl Streep. That's right. <laughs> Listen, it's an arm. She didn't in both yeah. cases. Or she was, no. Because Meryl was supporting at the at the Oscars and Rosamund Pike booed. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm like, wait, did they compete at the Oscars? I'm like, no, no, they did not. <laughs> um, so, do we okay. have any more Gone Girl thoughts? Just, it's fucked up, man. Fucked up story. Yeah. Another yeah. movie where I don't know what to say, and yet I could probably just me- meander on for so mo- so much yeah. longer. I think it's great. I mean, it's yeah. a great movie. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I always yeah, say, um... we, yeah. I always say the appeal of this podcast is that. You come onto like the iconic movie like Gone Girl, but then we spend way more time on like you're into the woods or something. Sure. There. Like, yeah. Just to use this episode as an example, like stuff in the past, or like I think our Dark Knight episode, where I'm sure we spend a lot more time breaking down the history of Get Smart. Um, sure. Yeah, but um, with that, here, here comes one of tra- uh, Kenny's patented yeah. transitions. We're gonna transition, yeah. We're going to transition so fast, you might get whiplash. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, I sent, uh... <laughs> I, uh... I like watching all these movies back-to-back because I noticed the little things between them. I didn't see that much this week, but I did I did just send Kenny just a clip uh, from the X-Men movie where Quicksilver just goes, whiplash. He does say that, um, yes. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. uh, they knew. Oh. Um... It was a cultural yeah. moment. <laughs> yeah, so, so this is a movie that I rewatched it recently, um, not for the podcast, but because I had just seen Babylon in theaters and was mm-hmm. like, and wanted had to go back for like Chazelle stuff so I could clarify. Okay, what do I think of Chazelle at this point in in his career? And then when I was watching Whiplash partway through, I'm like, wait, yeah. Because I'm like, why didn't J.K. Simmons get a nod? I'm like, wait, no, he did get a best villain nod here. Um, <laughs> it's a little crazy that he isn't just like squarely presented as a villain to the MTV Awards. I feel like, I feel like, well, we'll get into it. My problems with the movie at the time were like, I feel like this movie is weirdly on J.K. Simmons' side <laughs> uh, for a lot, for at least it a partially. Uh, and yeah, I'm not sure that it's so clear cut that the movie thinks he's a villain. Yeah. yeah i remember yeah that was the thing that like i think um because i watched like i was watching like a couple of interviews like from the director and i think like a lot of that ambiguity came from because like i think this is like based off of like a drum teacher he had and it's just like it is like a very weird message of this movie of like of like um of like being like pushed to like right. being great and it's like right it's there's, like, there's like right, that's the whole oh. he like he's great at the end. Like it's kind of like it's like undeniably he's great. And like, what do we do with that? Like, yeah. yeah. And like, I think there's like one really good defining moment, like very like subtle defining moment for um, J.K. Simmons' character, like kind of near the end, where like, um, where like uh, Miles Teller sort of asks like one of like the obvious questions, where it's like, do you ever think you can like push someone too far? And he's just immediately just like, no. No, I don't think you can. Like, right? And it's just like, yeah, it's like he's like because like if they're truly great, right. then like there's no such thing them stop. too far. Like, right. yeah. 
exactly it's like there's a it's a what is it, like the no true scotsman uh yeah. fallacy where it's like yeah, it's like well yeah of course like it always works if if it doesn't work you you just say oh that wasn't real then yeah yeah Damien Chazelle, again, he's someone who, something I realized when making movies is, or when watching all of his movies, is all of his films are largely about, kind of, the the cost of, like, greatness, either, most of the times, it's what is the cost of, like, great art, and then in First Man is, was what was the human cost of, like, literally the pinnacle of human achievement, um, but... And this is the one, like, I did read an interview with him, kind of, when looking up on stuff, where he he thought it, where you are kind of supposed to feel conflicted at the end, like, that is the thing where he's like, what is, like, the ver- the version of a happy ending I can give where it's, like, the feel-bad happy ending of the year, where, like, he gets everything you want, but you're like, oh, no, about it, and, yeah, like, that's why I think MTV kind of giving, recognizing that Simmons' behavior is, like, abusive and villainous there is something, like, shows a level of, like, foresight where you're like, huh, you wouldn't always expect this from them, but... Yeah. And, like, yeah, I guess, right. I, I'm not sure the movie is super successful in, like, not being like, well, in the end, it was worth it. Like, I'm not, like, that is sort of what I feel the movie is leaning a little on that side uh at least i did at the time and i probably still do uh having not yeah. rewatched this since the time um yeah i, I think that know. is yeah that probably is like a cost of making it more like true to life because like there there is cases where like people are pushed away too far and like you see a lot of like stories of people that are the greatest like having horrible like things happen to them and like like sacrificing a lot to get there and it's like yeah i don't know how i don't know how it'd be a much more different movie if it sort of ended a little more like horrible yeah well so the first time i saw this movie i was um i believe in new york for my friend annual friendsgiving and it was like playing in new york it hadn't opened everywhere yet i I don't think and i was like oh i'll catch whiplash it's fuzzy or whatever uh and then i had to get to a performance of a friend's play so famously i left whiplash about 10 minutes early (laughs) before the (laughs) ended which uh and i was like well i basically got it and like i gotta get to my friend's play or whatever and then of course like (laughs) upon revisiting the final 10 minutes i'm like oh wow this completely reframes the rest of the movie. Like, I don't quite think, like, this is, like, I missed an important chunk there. The ending is, the ending is big on this one, I will say. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. So, and I hadn't revisited it since then. I, like, so Chazelle, in general, I tend to be cooler on all his movies, except for very, um, uh, un- unsurprisingly, I am in the tank for La La Land, which I think is a great movie. And I think it is his most successfully, like, emotionally ambiguous movie, I think. Um, I, yeah, First Man, I, I'm a little, like, unexcited by, although I think it's, like, very solid in, like, doing what it sets out to do. Babylon. You're like, I, don't litter on the moon! Yeah, right, yes. I mean, it's fine. 
that's fine. The, the moon doesn't have an atmosphere. There's no life there to protect. Um, uh, Babylon is like a mess to me. And it has some good sequences in it, but I think, like, I don't think the pit character really, I don't think any of the main characters really work for me in that. Um, and it just goes to some places that I'm like, I don't want to follow you here. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting because, like, I was sort of, like, soft negative on Whiplash at the time. I was like, I don't like it. I don't like the ending. I think it's, like, a little pedagogically evil. Um, and I am th- not that far away from that place today. Like, I think, like, J.K. Simmons, like, he, like, was a lock for an os- for the Oscar from basically, like, the day the movie premiered. Like, it was, like, he just won everything. He was, like, the, the big lock that year for the Oscars. Uh, and I think it's great that J.K. Simmons has an Oscar. I do think he's very good. He, like, uses his, like, bald head incredibly in this movie. Like, the <laughs> his little, like, subtle micro-expressions that he uses with the baldness, like, really land. And, like, I think his costuming is, like, really excellent and so evocative of, like, who that guy is. And, like, I think, like, it is, like, a true, like, he just sort of nailed that performance. And, like, I sort of, I totally get why he just sort of, sleepwalked his way to an Oscar that year. But it, as a, the movie as a whole, yeah, sort of does leave me cold, especially as, like, far as the balance of it all. And I'm, like... And also revisiting it this time, I was like, ooh, I don't think this looks that good. It's, like, very yellow. Um, and I don't, like, I don't quite think it has, like, some of the visual flares that uh, Chazelle would go on to in his later Yeah. Yeah. I... I love this movie so much. And, like, here's the thing is that I feel like I don't even... I don't really even disagree with what you think about the movie. I just like those things about sure. it. Um yeah. yeah. I like that it's, like, very ambiguous. I like that... I like that, um... It's one of... Yeah, it is, like, kind of... I feel like it is kind of dangerous because I feel like it does sort of teeter on that, like well, see, J.K. Simmons was right the whole time. Like, he did push him, and he became great. Um, but I, I don't know. I kind of I like that a little bit about it, because I think it makes it, like, a very, like... Yeah. It's a it's a movie that makes you feel weird about it. Um, sure. I do... I, I, I don't know if I love it visually, yeah. um, like you said, but I definitely love it, like, audibly. It's, like, a beautiful-sounding movie, mm-hmm. um, yeah, sure. which is just, like, I don't know how much you can give that credit to, like... I don't know how much... You can give credit to like a movie because i assume a lot of the stuff being played wasn't made for the movie it's just things that music that existed that is just played by like jazz players um but it's like yeah it's just wonderfully sounding mm-hmm. um it does seem like it would be a huge challenge to like film all that drumming and like then get it to like match up with whatever you're doing in the sound like oh yeah i am that must have been a pain in the ass I am I am blessed with zero musical knowledge. Yeah. I feel like I, I I've I've never seen I haven't see, seen anything from like music experts that go like oh Whiplash gets so many things wrong, right? Um, and like yeah, but I like I'm I'm very happy for that because I'm able to enjoy a lot of aspects about this movie. Um, I think the only meme I've seen in that vein of critique was just like a tweet where it was like J.K. Simmons like complaining about like cafe cd jazz and it's like what he was playing seconds earlier and i was like oh i guess that must be (laughs) cafe cd jazz he was playing because i didn't know (laughs) um (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, this is just like, it's a beautiful sounding movie. I remember I saw this for the first time in the summer. Um, and that was my summer of watching really good movies that are kind of iconic that I have never seen. So I think the three ones I got around to were like Whiplash and then um, Her and 500 Days of Summer. Um, <laughs> that is a, yeah, yeah, that is a mid-2000s trio right there. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I don't know. Listen, I, listen, I, it, there was a lot of movies about guys getting their hearts broken um Uh and i i loved and after watching those two and then watching the scene where he's like i can't be with you i want to be great um i was like hell yeah finally the guy (laughs) taking it by the horns don't (laughs) let that lady drag it out you were also like near the start of a like relationship at the time for like what 500 days of summer (laughs) yeah exactly Oh man! What else? But, oh yeah, that was the summer we watched Sunshine, and a dog barked through the ending. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, we also watched. <laughs> I do, I do love, I do love a good movie where like the like the romance doesn't end with them uh, together. Like that is part oh, of yeah. what I really love about La La Land. Uh, oh yeah, I, I would say the the relationship in Whiplash feels a little bit more like an afterthought than the one in La La Land, certainly. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's just sort of like, but I, you know what? I like it. I like that it like ends where it does. It's it's not given a lot of attention. It's really used more like, it's weird because like usually when a relationship is used as a tool, usually <laughs> the other person, usually a girl, is not given a lot of good characterization. But I feel like she is. Like she's given a decent amount. And it's more used as a tool to show his sort of progression into, like, a very, like, focused and, like, to a detriment drummer. Um, And then there's, like, the the horrible scene later where he's like, hey, maybe you want to come? He's like, and she's like, ah, I don't know, my boyfriend might not want me to do that or, like, might not be busy. Um, And it's like, oh, goddamn. Yeah, (laughs) really, Exactly. Yeah, Melissa Benoist, who Andy and I, I'm sure, both knew best from Glee at the time. That's true. I, I'm speaking for you, but I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm like, speak away. You are, but, you are accurate. <laughs> but yeah, I also forgot she was in this, and I'm, and then I'm like, oh right, and kind of, kind of got excited about that. Uh, Paul Reiser, who is really, yeah, really good as like kind of Andrew's father. I'm just, yeah, he's fun. They're, they're really whole. Their movie routine—it's—it's it's so fun. Like how Chaz- all of Chazelle's obsessions are in every one of his movies. So like when it's more about jazz, there's a lot. There's there's still some classic Hollywood in there. And when it's more about classic Hollywood, he's still got to get some jazz in there. It's very funny. Uh, his uh, how he just has to have everything in every movie that he's obsessed with. Um, uh, their yeah, his their routine of like popcorn and raisinets and then miles teller's like i want to eat around the raisinets this time or whatever that's that's a good bit yeah and i think riser also like is part of like why the ending ending works for me as you see him kind of like but rejecting like the support of his father is like no it's okay you don't have to do this to like just kind of go after the like the guy who literally just embarrassed him on stage like moments yeah moments earlier and Thinking through my feelings a little bit more as, like, this conversation is clarifying things a little bit, I think my main issue sort of arises not from the fact that, like, 
it is shown that like he becomes great and like we're meant to feel a little ambiguous about that but that i feel like the movie stacks the deck as in part as it doesn't really have the space to let the argument that like there are other ways to achieve greatness in at all really like like he's you know miles teller presents like a couple of these thoughts to jk simmons and jk simmons dismisses them immediately because they're antithetical to his worldview but you don't really there's not really the space elsewhere to have those 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 thoughts validated as like potential ways to greatness or whatever or like that that this might do more harm than good like it like i get like i can appreciate and understand the ambiguity of like this is one way to greatness and like how do we feel about that but i do wish the movie had a little more room to be like oh there's there might be other ways to greatness that are like more humane and like don't require quite so much sacrifice um yeah i think that's sort of like where my my issue yeah, I yeah. can definitely see that. Like, the, I feel like this movie... Uh, yeah, I definitely... Because I think there's definitely something to be said that, like, this movie is probably very... Almost indistinguishable from a movie that would be trying to push the message that to, to achieve greatness, you must suffer. Yeah. Like, if you wanted to make a movie about that, it would probably be very close sure. to the movie Whiplash. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it, like, it is very much, like... Because, like, cl- yeah, like, the movie is trying to like show all these like bad things that are happening but it definitely has but like all those things like don't seem to matter and he seems to like overcome right and it's just like and like yeah and it's definitely like it's it's definitely tough because like that scene where like um the scene where jk simmons is like smiling and they smile at each other can be like it can be like really like sweet moment that they're finally like there's finally some level of like mutual respect and it's all but it could also be it's also like kind of haunting it's right. like oh my god I, I, like he's been validated yeah, like <laughs> he's, he's just like oh yeah yeah exact and it's just like yeah and it's like to the movie's credit it definitely and i guess to the movie's credit and also detriment it does try to have a lot of like the subplots of like a lot of his students like kill themselves after being with him but that stuff is just like it's it's far enough away from the climax that it is nowhere in anyone's head when they're watching miles teller just go ham like that is just not even close to what any of them are thinking it's not what the movie leaves you with yeah i'll say i still think like i think this movie sells kind of the ambiguity of it like to me pretty well this also is a subject that I'm kind of in the tank for, so like, so right away when kind of watching it, and then so close after Babylon, which sort of takes the thing of like, what is the co- what is the cost of this like ray radar, and then like th- this one like is very much like what is like the personal human cost of like relationships that get there, and then Babylon is like what lives kind of fall by the wayside, and would you really like? And Let's would you really give that the whole up? system? Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so, uh, but, but uh, I will say, I do think if he had made Whiplash now, he'd maybe be a bit better at making it, just because, well, right. this was like his first proper film after Guy and Madeline on a park bench, which is yeah. an interesting debut. Uh, it's kind of like a scrappy proto la la land which also is like really handheld following the camera around and i've never seen i gotta check it out yeah 
I definitely watched that after I got home from, like, Babylon, because I'm like, I guess I gotta finish, like, Chazelle now. It's the one I haven't seen. Right. But... Yeah. And I'll say, he definitely gets, like, by La La Land, he's definitely figured out how to shoot things so it looks as good as possible, but this does yeah. have, I'll say, the the very final, like, sequence, I think he kind of nails, like, especially as he's just kind of going ham, and then the very last shot of, like, J.K. Simmons right before he he's about to, like, have the thing to just finish it. Um, uh, just another, like, full-body chills kind of a thing. It is, yeah, it's a very bravura sequence, you know, because, like, you get... It, it has all, like, the, the swinging, the wild camera swings between him and Simmons. You have, like, the the blood dripping onto the drum set, right? The, like, final moment of connection, and then, like, the BAM! Cut to credits, like, it really does, like, it's got quite a rhythm to it to, you know, maybe make a, a terrible pun. Or, or some sort of <laughs> terrible tortured, tortured jazz language, I don't know. Yeah. And that speaks to, like, Chazelle, I think as messy as he is, he typically is good at finding, like, the perfect final moment to go out on. Um, yeah. Yeah. And with Flash, which is where I watch him, like, oh, yeah, no, this is, like, he's really, he's really great at this. Like, just d does not, like, knows exactly when to get out. Um, yeah. And oh, I think... And I'm very, I, I got, I do want to read it. I'm very glad that J.K. Simmons has an Oscar. I think that's very cool. Uh, he's a great actor. All right. Yeah. No, he's, he's, yeah, doing wonderful in this. Yeah, it's one of those things where we don't have to talk about that much, as I think if you know J.K. Simmons at all, even if you haven't seen it, you, you have a sense of what that performance is, and it's him just hitting home run after home run. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah, something on something on rewatch. Uh, that's always just like really like, that's really like, uh, interesting. It's like that little like that little like nice pep talk he gives him like right before he goes into the thing where it's like, hey man, like, just have fun, okay? There's a reason why you're here. <laughs> right before like, just cause I remember, yeah, because remember because this is like because I feel like um both me and you, Kenny, uh, we have our mutual friend um Sam, and like. You showed her Nope, and I showed her Whiplash, two movies that I feel like just clash so much with her personality. Um, <laughs> I put an open invite. Anyone want to see like the new Jordan Peele film? And then like forgetting that like, and then Sam, who never watches horror films and probably just assumed Kim Peele was like, yeah, I'm in. And then was there just like, wait, Aliens? Is this a scary movie? I'm like, oh no, she's my boss. I'm gonna get fired. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah whiplash is also funny because like it's completely antithetical to like sam's leadership style oh yeah <laughs> yeah i forgot um, but... uh how many slurs jk simmons uses in this movie oh yeah horror he's... incredibly homophobic like a yeah. lot of them just like that's his he's laser pointed on that yeah um it's really crazy. yeah and like you know he's he, like, is, like, a truly unpleasant... Like, it's, like, he's, like... It's not just, like, he's, like, tough on him. He's, like, truly, like, is a bad person in many ways. When he's, oh, like, yeah, it's not, like... It's not, like... He's not, like, a... Yeah, the tough but fair teacher. Like, right. he's a bad guy. Yeah. yeah. There is, of course, the scene I want to bring up before we wrap up where it's... Where someone is, like, off, and he goes, like, the visibly nervous one. He's, like, is, 
Is it you? He's like, oh, he's like, he's like, tell me. He's like, do you know what you did? And like the guy's like, ah, until he finally kicks him out. They turn to the other one. He's like, you're actually the one who was off, but he should have known that. Like, right. it's, that's oh yeah, that's oh, that's a good scene. I like that one a lot. It does, it, the conclusion yeah. of it does drive me crazy though, because it's like, well, what about the kid who actually <laughs> did do it wrong? Is he get any punishment, or what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like it's not uh, that you were wrong. It's that he didn't realize that he was right. Right. Like, just. <laughs> um, the other thing I do want to mention is uh, Jason Reitman produced this movie, uh, which is crazy. Oh yeah. <laughs> he's one of my fa- he's he and Rob Marshall are, are my two like film Twitter punching bag faves. Where like people are really mean <laughs> about them online and like don't like their stuff, and I'm like I like it. I like them a lot. <laughs> wait do you yeah hold on i forget are you positive on ghostbusters afterlife like yes i like ghostbusters afterlife what about men women and children i haven't seen the two yeah. like notorious terrible ones men women and children or labor day i still gotta catch up. okay okay because i'm like i can like see like or you have made the case for ghostbusters afterlife where i'm like yeah yeah that makes sense men women and children would be one where i'm like hmm um, but i you know in my heart i would love to be like that's the best adam sandler movie uh so we'll see uh if i can get there one day <laughs> <laughs> if you said that was the best adam sandler movie that'd be so funny like just it certainly would be a very funny trying... opinion to hold i'm not sure i can get there we'll see if i when i actually check it out one day yeah. Um, but it would be great. Um, but for now, I think we are, yeah, probably done talking about these films. So the time has come to to make our kind of ranking. So, uh, Andy, I believe I told you this, but we yes. we first start with a ranking of the films on their own, and then we kind of do uh, villains afterwards, right. and then we yes. see how they differ. Yes. Okay. Do I go first, yeah. or does some do you? Um. Yeah, you can go first if you want, or 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 Ben can. Yeah, ben, we'll go, go Ben and ben, go Ben. Yeah, go Ben. Go. Yeah. If I if I if I if my the if my um to pass the golden popcorn lore, which I should be an expert in because I create it. Um, yeah. Is it's usually when we have a guest, it's usually me, then the guest, and then Kenny. Okay. Great. Um. Usually, I think that's almost almost yeah. always how it shakes. Because I always have to handle the transitional bits into the next yeah. sentence. Sure. Yeah. No, um, how these movies... Um, I really enjoyed all of these movies. Yeah. Um, you know, don't enjoy all the directors, obviously. Um, <laughs> but just as as the movies themselves, um, it, this is a tight list. And it gets like... Mm-hmm. I almost want to give the top two a tie. Sure. Um, and I might just do it. I don't. I don't know if I want to give the villains a tie because sure. that's a bit contentious. I usually only give myself that ability if there's another. If there was, I think the year there was a tie, I let myself have a tie okay. as well. The year there was a tie, we were both like, <laughs> this shouldn't have been a tie. <laughs> well, not, yeah, not yeah, maybe not that year. Um, but I feel like I think I I think I've once given the villains a tie, but I feel like you know the the academy gets one, we get one. Um, yeah. So for my movies at the bottom. I do have 22 Jump Street. Yeah. Um, very funny, but like, kind of like you said, it's like looking at it in context, it's actually super weird because um, these are incredibly funny movies, but like they are not nearly as funny as like the Lego movie and Clone High. Sure. Like it feels like it's just like they're just not 
on that level, which is very mm-hmm. strange. But they're still like incredibly good movies in their own right. Yeah. Um, and then above that one, I do have X Men. Um, I had a lot of fun with this one. Mm-hmm. I think it it's it's weird. It feels like it shouldn't be the one that works well as a standalone because I feel like it's like a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, but I I think it's it this movie I feel like is like duct taped together. <laughs> by just incredibly cool scenes like sure. the quicksilver one and like the magneto holding up the stadium that it's like i think it like kind of tricks you into being like that was a good movie yeah um <laughs> i think it's just it is just it is just individual like scenes that are just kind that just kind of kick ass yeah. um best way to describe it um you know uh and I think right smack dab in the middle, um, I do have Gone Girl. Just this wacky, twist-filled... Like, I heard... The thing is that whenever I recognize um, the name of a movie we're about to cover, I know it's either because it's going to be really good or really controversial. Sure. Um, and that's usually the only reason I'll ever hear about a movie, uh-huh. like, in like in the zeitgeist. Um, and this movie is uh, kind of... Maybe both? I don't know. Um, it's definitely wild and I did have an amazing time with it. Um, we got, we got a good Ben Affleck movie and I'm glad. I feel like, I feel like we've not been getting good ones. Bounce just, definitely wasn't good. Yeah, listen, I just watched, uh, uh, Deepwater. Uh, that is, uh, not a good Ben Affleck movie. <laughs> Agree to disagree. <laughs> He's okay. I mean, it's uh, not a good movie. <laughs> I think for our podcast, this is the best Ben Affleck movie we have covered since Goodwill Hunting, way back in Best Kiss. Um, oh yeah, and like that movie isn't good because of Ben Affleck. No. <laughs> he's kind of like he's kind of like the the Seth Green to its Austin Powers. Um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is a matter. <laughs> I really need you to every week from now on just assign who is the Seth Green and Austin Powers of, of oh, these movies. Absolutely, Please I could definitely. Do. <laughs> what the, yeah, Ben's always good with just pulling like a metaphor where I'm like, "What are you?" Saying? And like, I'm gonna now look up. While you finish up, I'm gonna find one from like what you had said last episode where that I definitely sent to be warm. Like Ben said this. <laughs> oh, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I can't remember the specifics, but um, uh, to to circle back for my, for my, I think my top two movies. I honestly have to give them a tie. Wow. Um, it is Whiplash and Into the Woods because these are both. I think these are both movies that are just like they're. I love these movies, mm-hmm. and they're both just auditory delights Mm -hmm. they are just like these are movies i don't even really need to watch i could just throw these on like i think i honestly got i don't because i had seen whiplash this summer but like i did rewatch it for this but like rewatch in quotes because i pretty much just like listened to it while i was driving sure um and it is just a oh it is so (laughs) just so wonderful to hear um and then yeah and then just like and uh, yeah also jk's like just um He's like, he's like, he's like as much, he's like voice acts a lot too, like on top of like acting and you can like, you can tell, um, he's just got one. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. The lion from Zootopia. Um, 
<laughs> All his most um, iconic voice roles. <laughs> exactly. When you think of J.K. Simmons, if there was a J.K. Simmons Twitter banner, it would be those two characters and him in the middle with his arms crossed and nothing right. else. And from Whiplash, right, in the, in the black turtleneck. <laughs> exactly. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then Into the Woods, just like, just like a really, just a really like whimsical fun movie that keeps just going and going and just so fun and just has like a little bit of everything and johnny depp isn't in a ton and that is a wonderful thing because <laughs> like if there's gonna uh, be some we, johnny depp let yeah because yeah exactly because we covered we covered sweeney todd a couple weeks ago and i'm yeah. like man he is not very good at singing <laughs> or like he's he's like a he's like a budget ewan mcgregor sure to me <laughs> um I, that great call i think that's a great call yeah 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 really but like budget yeah. and also like and also like a little like worn down like a little grimier like you know yeah like, maybe it's fallen yeah. between the cracks a little bit yeah um, but I, I liked him i liked his bit in this one i think he's like he's not given a lot to I feel like it'd be. I mean, it's just, he's like just like, that... he's like a pedophile. Like that's all. That's like what the bit is. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. Andy. Before you go, yeah. do you want do you want to guess who Ben compa- who Ben thought Spock reminded him of the Zachary Quinto portrayal of Spock, which is Ben's what? only kind of experience with the character. Sure. Was it <laughs> Seth Green and Austin Powers? It was Will Smith in After Earth. <laughs> oh. Okay, it's been a minute. So I don't remember anything about After Earth, so I do not really remember what Will Smith is like in it. Yeah, I'm not sure I've yeah. seen it, but it was just the the poll where he's like, "Yeah, I don't know." The character, the one thing is logic. I'm like, it's a really funny comparison to make him one of the most iconic fictional <laughs> characters. But yes, yeah, uh, yeah. I guess a little um, a little um, background info on that. I'm in After Earth, like Will Smith, like kind of famous charismatic like sure. character actor will smith his defining character trait in the movie right. is i'm not mincing words here cannot display emotions right and that's like his superpower yes. <laughs> and it's just like right. a bit of a, a narrative flaw for the right yeah there. it's like maybe should have given that character trait to jaden smith <laughs> sure <laughs> uh right. yeah and yeah and how did the movies shake out for you all right, let me go. So I think I'm going to have to put Whiplash at the bottom, I think. I don't think it's, like, terrible. I don't, like, hate it. But I think it's just a little too neat and not messy enough for me. Uh, it's yeah. just a too, much, yeah. too much dragging, not enough rushing. It, for sure, yes. Um, uh, after that, I think this is, a little, this is probably the toughest call. Uh, I'm going to go with 22 Jump Street. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna do X Men: Days of Future Past above above Whiplash, uh, which again I think has some cool stuff in it. Is you just really feel the length, and like it gets boring for a lot of the time, and like like it it just like you can see what it's aiming for and just like missing a lot of the time, I think, and so it just doesn't quite get there. Although it does have a lot of good stuff in it, and I like uh, I I do think like the X-Men franchise as a whole is like much more interesting for having that be its, uh, it's, it's big team up movie. Um, and then I will do 22 jump street above that. 
uh, has had you know has its peaks and valleys. I do think, yeah, Ice Cube, the Ice Cube thing is just so goddamn funny that it really like is what sort of elevates it for me. Um, I do think like when it gets to the plot in the end, it like is struggling uh, to to keep it interesting and funny, um, and it does like I don't know. It's it's just it's just not quite my flavor of 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 Lord Miller humor. Uh, similar to you, what you said, Ben. Then into the woods. Um, I love the material a lot. The movie, I think, does miss the mark on several aspects of it, but I think does a solid enough job of preserving what is good and important. It sort of muddles the ending a little bit, um, especially because it sort of cuts down the second act to be a third act of a movie, which I think does, like, is, like, ultimately, like, you're losing some of the oomph of Into the Woods if you cut down the second act of the play into just the third act of a movie. But um, I think it does it, it, it does have a lot of good stuff in it and uh, great performances. And I do like I'm so glad that those orchestrations exist also. Uh, and then at the top, I'm going to put Gone Girl, uh, which is just, you know, it's it's so uh, it's just such a thrill ride. Uh, and I do want to we forgot I forgot to mention earlier the uh, iconic moment when uh, Anne Hathaway said that Gone Girl was one of her favorite romantic comedies on, on uh, James Corden's talk show. Uh, and the audience went bone silent. It was completely, you could hear a pin drop when she said Gone Girl was one of her favorite rom-coms. Um, uh, that's my number one movie. Cool. Uh, yeah, so for me, I have X-Men Days of Future Past at the bottom. It's in a week where I love basically every movie we talk about. This is the one where I'm just like, yeah, it's good. It is too long. I remember I was just like sitting there and I'm like, why is this ending sequence like over 10 minutes? Why are we getting like such a slow, like the Sentinels are coming and it's everything there. It's, you just kind of wanted to pick up the pace. Um, then above that, this one is tricky. Um, I'm going to say Into the Woods just a movie I in, enjoy a lot that has some like really good good songs that like and really good performances that just maybe like on another time I would like put it above 22 Jump Street I think just on 22 Jump Street which is like my kind of middle pick it really just came down to the thing that I laughed and laughed and laughed and it's like well, that always counts for something in my my book especially for like a studio comedy of the tens which people always say the tens are like terrible for studio comedies but i think stuff like the jump street movies are like look at these like just shining tatum and ice cube and then to like a much lesser extent jonah hill like you just gotta kind of give it up to that like as much as i think into the woods is like fun and good um and then for top two it's, I mean, I guess it is not that tough. Yeah, so I have Whiplash in my number two spot, just a film I, like, really, really enjoy. Like, D Damien Chazelle, usually in the in the camp for him, like, um, I uh, I enjoy his movies a lot. Like, I think it's funny every time, like, he, he brings jazz into, like, his other stuff, and 
Yeah, just J.K. Simmons, like, really just elevating this a lot. But Gone Girl, it's, I think, my second favorite Fincher after Zodiac. Like, it's, and Zodiac is maybe my, one of my, like, if I were to choose five of my favorite movies, Zodiac's on that list. So, Gone, like, I just, I really love Gone Girl. And Gone Girl was always going to be my kind of number one. Um, but, yeah, but how do the villains stack up? It is um, pretty different, I think. I'm excited to... <laughs> so, <laughs> it's funny, it's really funny you say that. Um, not to spoil my list, but... It's exactly the same. Wow. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> at the bottom, I do have um, 22 Jump Street's Mercedes. Yeah. Just not given a lot. Um, the old jokes, it's like, it's funny one time, maybe half a time. Um, and then just like, and then as like a villain, just like given almost no screen time to be like right. anything which is like unfortunate because it's not like she's doing like a bad job yeah um i think like as a character she's like doing the best she can with what she was given um and then uh above that i do have uh x-men um again just like just not given a lot um and like it's weird because like and like for there's a good chunk of the movie where you've seen more of mystique as him than you've seen him uh like there's a good chunk of the movie where you just barely see him like at all uh but i think for what he is doing i think it's fine i think it's in weird that it wasn't given to magneto that's just very very strange um but yeah, and then uh, right in the middle uh, again, I do have um, I do have Gone Girl. Um, I think this one I'm kind of just going with my gut. It feels like it should be higher, but I think the pe- the two people above again these like these top three are like there's they're so close. And I'm kind of just having to go with my gut on these ones. Yeah. Um, uh, but this one uh, there is no tie. I don't think I think I do have. Um, whiplash above into the woods um Mm -hmm. if and like that might even just come down to like screen time given as well because there is like i think for the climax of the movie like the the witch sort of like disappears yeah um so she's not really and then like partway through the movie she's like like not like a warty weird looking witch she's just like a yeah exactly and she's like doesn't really do much evil after that i mean she wants to like sacrifice a kid but like so would i um so it's the great moral debate (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) exactly like (laughs) yeah um yeah uh yeah that's my it's weird that it's i hope your guys is maybe is different mine was literally the exact same so uh but how did the villains shake out for you okay so i I think I have a lot of agreement with what your villain list is, which is uh, 22 Jump Street Mercedes at the bottom. It's a real, like, oh, she's popping a little bit, like, in the comedy world, so we're gonna have her be, like, the reveal villain, and, like, really have her juice the movie uh, without her necessarily being, like, a famous and a draw. Like, they're able to structure it that way, and I feel like it just, like, 
doesn't quite work. Uh, Jillian Bell, I have liked in things, I think. I haven't seen... She's got that one, like, Disney Plus movie where she's, like, godmothered, I think it's what it's called, where she, like, plays, like, a crappy fairy godmother or whatever. She hasn't quite, like, super broke out uh, in the way that maybe she was pegged to. But, um... You know, she got the Mercedes herself is like, like, yeah, like, like Pepper said, it's like, she's just not interesting really ever. Uh, you know, she has her bit early on, and then when she, once she's the villain, like, they try to give her some stuff to do, but it doesn't really land. Um, then I would agree that Peter Dinklage as Boulevard Trask is above, uh, slightly above that. Yeah, a very classic villain role, but again, a movie that has a lot of other things on its mind. So he just is the least interesting part of the movie, unfortunately, because it has so much other, like, ambiguity stuff to go with. Um, after that, I would probably put The Witch uh, as far as villains go, and just in terms of ranking them on their villainy. Because, like, the, the, the song at the end is like, witches can be right, giants can be good. Like, the, they're, the... The message of, like, the villain is not necessarily, like, there's not necessarily a such thing as a clean villain is, like, built into the text of Into the Woods. So that makes it a little tough for me to, like, put the witch as, like, a number one villain on any list. Just because, like, she has, like, such clear motivations and, like, she clearly, like, has a, it is a... Uh, uh, a broken love but she has a true love for Rapunzel and wants to care for her and like is going about that in a horrible way but like true like there's something real there and she like it seems clear that she had some sort of abusive relationship with her own mother who would have it so that when the beans from her garden were stolen she would become ugly and uh and, and and like and be shunned like there's like a lot going on there with that character that I don't think you can really just be like she's a great villain like it's it's much more interested in like complicating that um in in the best way um after that i would say jk simmons as as fletcher is probably next it's a real close call between these last two uh he does say a lot of slurs he does really like uh uh you know psychologically torture uh, all of his students, basically. Uh, it's a real, like, masterclass in, like, awful pedagogy and, like, really, like, breaking people to get results in, like, and, like, an ends justifies the means kind of way that I think is all, is, is often the sign of, like, a true villain where it's like, well, the results speak for themselves, so obviously I didn't do anything wrong. Um, and then number one, of course, uh, Amy Elliott Dunn from Gone Girl uh she commits murder uh which is one of the most evil acts you can do um and like is a cold calculated psychopath about it and like like really thinks out and like not only commits murder but like commits murder in a way where it's she's clearly going to get away with it and like frames it so that like this other the person her victim seems to be much more evil than he actually is he's like a weirdo and a creep but he's not like a rapist as she makes him out to be uh and so yeah she's you know she creates she, she has created false rape accusations for multiple men uh frames her her husband for murder and then um uh, against his will becomes impregnated with his sperm in order to keep him in their marriage so 
she's a pretty clear-cut number one villain for me. Yeah, I, I might have a, I might have the same ranking as Andy. Let's see. Um, you know what? I will put Jillian Bell above Dinklage just because I did laugh at like a couple of, of her bits. And she made more of an impression to me than Dinklage. Like, the Dinklage thing is just kind of wasted opportunity because I don't even think they needed to, like, put them aside. aside. They just, like, you know, you got Peter Dinklage and then you kind of just wasted him on this nothing character. Um, yeah, would be my case for him at the, bo at the bottom there. Where at least Jillian Bell, like, you that character is giving you kind of what you know like what you expect to get and sure yeah and then yeah then above that i'd pro probably have the the witch there like um definitely brings the house down with last midnight and the stuff is there but uh it's like ben said like she also like disappears for parts of the film and there yeah there's definitely like some villainy there in like relationship with with rapunzel and stuff but like it is kind of that thing where into the woods is a story about how things are always more complicated than just and then the evil witch like was evil like so yeah i'll give her that third spot and then it's tough yeah <laughs> it, it is a tough one like <laughs> I am tempted to just break out my it's a tie. Which oh, wow. It's, hmm, yeah, because it's two characters who are, like, villainous in different ways. And where the text of the movie is also kind of, like, interrogating those kind of perceptions and, um... break this out yeah because you know what uh, like i know what's coming up ahead for like best villain i really can't see any other situation where i'm like yeah it, it's a tie josh like josh brolin was just as good as michael b jordan was that year like it's no like it's i will break it break it out here for like jk simmons and R rosemond pike like kind of uh, oscar nominees well, winner in Simmons' case, I think very well deserved for just creating very real, very like fully realized char characters who, um, I think bring different kind of flavors of villainy to the MTV table. As much as I appreciate the voters for giving it to Meryl Streep as the witch, which I guess is another thing where I'm like, I don't remember Into the Woods being that popular, like. Was it just people going, yeah, Meryl Streep? Like, yes, basically. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, you know, this was the sort of like, yeah, Meryl can sleepwalk her way to a nom even in, in, in MTV yeah. land, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. And yet she didn't win for The Devil Wears Prada. Um, Crazy. Was she nominated? Yeah, yeah. Sure. That, yeah, but to be fair, Jack Nicholson won that year for The Departed. So. Oh, sure. I mean, well, that's the other, that's it, like, does the devil wear Prada? Like, she's not fully a villain in that, right? Like, she's like, yeah, she's secretly a hero. Famous, 
Famously, Ben was very disappointed that she was not playing the literal devil in that movie. <laughs> well, have I got an Listen, Al Pacino the... movie for you, then? I was about to say, the, the reason I thought that is because the last movie we that we... we also covered the devil's advocate. <laughs> yeah, and in my head, I'm like, well, if a movie has devil in the title, it's, it's going to be the actual right. devil. Yeah. The law says you have to have the devil in Yeah, it. all part of the little dicky expanded universe. And then Our little Nikki. And Sweeney Todd, you also are like, well, I thought maybe he was just a real demon. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Listen, I take movie titles very literally. Yeah. There's no whips yeah, in that Flash. Yeah, that girl was gone. It's true. For a little yeah. bit. Days of Future Past doesn't mean anything, so I suppose it fits. Um, <laughs> and 22 Jump Street, they are literally, they do, that is a joke where they literally move across the street to 22 Jump Street. So I'm sure that really into the woods, yeah. Into the woods, you're like this is kind of more of a forest, I think. Just um... <laughs> they're quite large. Yeah, but so that about does it for best villain 2015. Uh, we have, yeah, we have come now to recommendation of the week. Um, who wants to go first for this? I'm assuming Ben is not prepared again. No, I've been looking though. <laughs> Andy, what do you got? Oh, okay. Oh, oh yeah, I can... Yeah, go ahead. You go. Okay. So I'm going to recommend um, How I Met Your Father, which is the sequel show to how... Well, spiritual sequel. I mean, it's in the same universe. Show to How I Met Your Mother, currently in its second season. Um, as of this record, there are three episodes. There'll be a couple more when it comes out, but it is a show that... Because of the reputation of how How I Met Your Mother ended, and be, and because this is a show where, like many kind of sitcoms, I think needed some time to figure out um, who its characters were, and then also as like the successor to a show with a specific style, needed some time to figure out how much of the original show it kind of wanted to emulate in its DNA, and in that second. So the first season was kind of rough and then widely critically maligned, but if you suck through it by the end, you're like, oh, this is pretty good. This could be something. And three episodes into season two, I am happy to say that it is something. They figured out the characters. They have figured out, yeah, it's fine if we just do the How I Met Your Mother thing and do like cu cutaways and flashbacks and set up and then like jump to like points in time and then Kim Cattrall goes oh, that's a story for another time, and create those kind of, like, like mysteries. Um, the the cast it's gotten is, re is really good. Um, in the first season, they had pretty much figured out only a couple of the characters, characters who were kind of distinct. Um, one of them was distinct because he was a British man, and the rest were, like, just regular there. But it was, like, Tom Ainsley playing this guy who his whole con conceit is he grew up in a very privileged world and then essentially threw that all away to follow a girl to new york so he so he has that kind of like naivety about him but then he's also just so excited about everything so it plays different as like your typical like british person on a sitcom um and he remains wonderful hillary duff like they they're really leaning into the stuff that makes her good, which is her character has become a lot more, like, frantic and a bit more of a mess this season. Like, great effect. And 
yeah, it's they're figuring it out. They're building a world. Like SNL's Garrett Morris popped in for like an episode in a a role that feels like it could be recurring. Like I'm having a great time with How I Met Your Father. Um, yeah, who's next? Uh, I can go. Uh, on the uh, Meryl Streep front, I have been with a, a couple of sets of friends. Uh, been rewatching Angels in America recently, the HBO miniseries adaptation of Tony Kushner's, uh, uh, you know, medium-defining masterwork. Uh, what is uh the most important play of the last thirty years plus? Um, it's great. It's really terrific. It's got wonderful performances from Al Pacino, from Meryl Streep, from Justin Kirk, from uh Ben Shankman, uh, uh Patrick Wilson. Um, everyone's great in it. Um, uh, uh, it's just really wonderful stuff and it goes down so easy. It's six, it's six one hour episodes and it's really worth your time if you've never seen it. It's a wonderful way to experience a story for the first time. I've seen a story I've like read and seen on stage and then listened to the audiobook. Up. Like I really love that story and know it very well. Uh, and I think it's a great version. And so uh, if you haven't seen it or if it's been a while, I, I urge you to visit or revisit uh, Angels in America streaming on HBO Max and available on DVD. All right. So uh, I would recommend if anyone is able to find a place that sells Parmesan pork, uh, I had some at a Brazilian steakhouse whose name I've forgotten. It starts with a P. Um, it's probably like a very common chain. But uh, I went there for my birthday's Eve. Uh, and it was lovely. Happy belated. And thank you. Yeah. Cool. And that about takes us to... Um... The end here, Andy. Thanks for being on. Uh, it's been long, long overdue, and blog in the works with, certainly. You asked me about this yeah. like almost a year ago. <laughs> yeah, it was over a year. Multiple hiatus is planned and unplanned, sure. and but I'm glad, to, glad to have finally got you on. Um, obviously, come come back anytime for stuff for what we're doing next, which I now know, but probably I'm not going to announce on air just yet. Sure, the suspense. Um. But do you have anything you want to plug at this time? Uh, just, I mean, if you're in Rochester, New York, come to the Jiva Theater Center and see a play. That's where, how I make my money. Uh, and if you tell them that I sent you, maybe they'll give me a raise. Um, uh, other than that, listen to Can I Kick It? Uh, it's available on all, all fine podcasting platforms everywhere. Uh, as this episode is being recorded, we have not yet released our annual awards jury episode but it, uh, as, this is epi- as this episode is being released, it's been out for a week or two. Uh, always a classic. Uh, I think it's a good one this year. We have a really good discussion about the shared movies we saw this year and come to a consensus on which ones were the best, which ones had standout elements that we want to go for. Uh, I think that's always a really great one. And if you have seen a lot of movies in the last year, or even if you haven't, I think it's a good place to start. Um, we also have, you know, other fun like simulated juries we what we talk about individual movies we talk about whole s- slates of movies um there's a lot of stuff about a year ago we put out a, a primer excuse me i'm developing the hiccup so i should probably stop talking but um if you know nothing about the world of film festivals 
going back about a year in our archive and seeking out the primer would be a great way to get started uh, if you're curious about it and want to learn something about uh, what film festivals are and how, how they work. Uh, so yeah, listen to that. Donate to our coffee, ko-fi.com slash I Always appreciated. Um, uh, yeah, check us out. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me. I definitely unsubscribed to that a couple of months ago when I like was tight on money and should probably re-up my like commitment to that because I... That was not like what my goal of saying that was. Just so you know, like I'm, <laughs> I forgot about that. And you... Please, my please own stay podcast. unsubscribed for as long as you need to. I certainly don't want to put you in financial hardship. <laughs> yeah well we'll see i'll, I'll get back there because i do enjoy the podcast and it was very fun when you talked about a movie i picked on it um but thank you yeah ben what yes. do you got this week yeah uh, uh i think uh as always i have my twitter and instagram that you can find at my link tree along with everything else um uh l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e slash g-h-a-k-k-e-r that should be everything. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. I should also add, I'm Andy T. Germ on most social media platforms. So if you want to find me online, that's the way to, that's the way to go. <laughs> yeah. And I am, I am, of course, like a Wolverine on Twitter and on Letterboxd. And yeah, you can find the show on Twitter at Gold Popcorn Pod. You can find us on Instagram, which maybe I'll actually have updated this time. I think about doing it every week um, at Pass the Golden Popcorn. Um, you can email us at Pass the Golden Popcorn at gmail.com. Our, our theme song is by Matt Samard. Our artwork is by Ben. Um, just We are on Friendly Mush. There's a lot of fun, fun stuff there. Yeah. Rate, yeah. Rate, review, subscribe if you like the show. And now all that's left to do is talk about what's coming up next. So, uh, for Best Villain 2016, kind of the end of an era once again, as this will be the last year of only movies being nominated before we have to start figuring out how much of American Horror Story Roanoke we want to watch. <laughs> or Ben, remember when you were like, I'll watch every episode of The Walking Dead to have to talk about, like, Jeffrey Dean Morgan his first year on it? Like, really I can dug do yourself it. You really with this stuff, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it's... Yeah, the TV at this point, it's either stuff I've seen that I can rely on my memory for, plus, like, an episode like Stranger Things or Legion. Yeah. Or still... Or stuff where I'm like, I feel I don't have to watch all of, like, that American Horror Story thing to get west bentley's deal on it sure. um, but yeah anyways so for best villain 2016 the nominees are tom hardy the revenant samuel l jackson kingsman the secret service uh hugh keysburn mad max fury road ed screen deadpool james spader avengers age of ultron and the winner Adam Driver, Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Yeah. Oh man, do we do we get every Star Wars? Or no, we missed the last one of the new original trilogy or the sequel trilogy. Wow. Very thankfully for me, because that absolutely would have been a best kiss nomination. <laughs> uh, Rise of Skywalker got lost in the pandemic shuffle. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think, uh, pretty sure Force Awakens is the only sequel 
trilogy one I've seen. I haven't seen either of the other uh, two. You're in for a treat. Oh, the last Jedi. ooh, yeah. yeah, that'll be fun. Um, yeah, um, from what I've heard from the Last Jedi, I think I'll like it. Yeah, I think that's a great you. Yeah. yeah oh i i love the last jedi um it is certainly controversial um yeah. but yeah and yeah. andy thanks for that once again of congratulations of uh, having officially the second longest episode of Jesus the podcast Christ, we are cracking three hours aren't we i'm sorry people i'm so sorry yeah you're a few um, minutes of jesse's the... episode where she hated every movie we talked about Great. <laughs> but still, but still below Mag's episode of the Spider-Man Two Mean Girl Collateral Dodgeball, a series of unfortunate events, just Quinn sure. Yeah, films. boy, I would have a lot to say about all those too. I see why it went so long. Um, but yeah, you get me talking about Sondheim. You're certainly not going to be uh, going anywhere anytime soon. So uh, thanks again yeah. for having me. Good luck talking about Ed's screen and Deadpool next week. That's a non. Oh, that's a yeah, nothing of a performance. Oh yeah, um, I remember we got Deadpool for best spoilers. kiss last time, and it was just like, I was like, oh man, like that's one of those things where I feel like, what was it? What was it? What did I watch? There's something else I watched that was very much, um, because like my thing with Deadpool is that I feel like I liked the second movie, like for in every aspect more than the first, to the point where like it kind of just subsumes it, and it's like why would I ever go back and watch the first one? Mm-hmm. And we're going to have a whole other episode yeah. to talk about this. It's not going to be three hours long. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sorry, I got you going. But thanks again for having me. It was a great, it was a perfect slate of movies for me. I had a lot to say about all of them, and uh, I'm so glad to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Come back anytime. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Keep passing that golden popcorn. And just remember, I let Jack know that his original, like, longest episode ever is now fourth and he is pissed and coming for us all oh, so. no. <laughs> jack i'm sorry i didn't mean to <laughs> goodbye everyone bye